0: Hello, and welcome to Stealth Boom Boom a fortnightly podcast about stealth video games. On every episode, we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game's stealth and its boom-boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Mahern, and joining me on this episode is the man who is a shadow in life, it's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And another man who is in death a failure, it's Josh Wise. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. I told you I would make the intros a bit more personalised to the game we would be discussing. That wasn't a comment on your character, either of you. No, I just want to let that be known. Or my likely death and status in death. I thought
1: you did it very well. Live by honor, kill by stealth. Right, that's the thing. Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just by the way, as taglines go, what do you guys make of that one? Generally, I mean, I feel like video games, the tagline is kind of a lost art these days. You don't 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 get
0: very many great taglines now.
2: Not in video games.
0: What was the one that you could rattle off? With ease, Josh. It always amazed me. What's Max Payne's tagline again? Cause- well, it's it's, got, it's kind of kind of a couple because it's got a subtitle and a little
1: thing. So it's Max Payne two colon the fall of Max Payne, a film noir love story. <laughs> that was the tagline, a film noir love story, which is very cool. You don't you don't get it, you know. It's like. Tactical espionage action. That's a great Mm -hmm. one. That's a great tagline. It tells you what it is, you know? But yeah, I feel like... Or recently, Gran Turismo, the real driving simulator. We don't get enough
0: of that. (laughs) I love all that. It's bollocks, but it's brilliant. Sadly, no stealth in Gran Turismo, I don't think. We won't won't be talking about that. (laughs) That won't feature, I don't imagine. Bit of a shame. But instead of talking about Gran Turismo, before we discuss any video game on this podcast... Lads, we need to party because...
3: Tonight we're going to party like it's February 26th, 1998. <laughs> I wasn't, uh, in, in all truth, I wasn't expecting this sound. I thought it would be something else, so that's quite good. Anyway, oh,
0: before Jesus. we chat about the game, we need to get into the right headspace. <laughs> and that headspace, of course means us delving into what was happening in the world when the game we're going to be discussing today came out, which was on February 26th, 1998. And around this time, Reg Dwight was knighted. So he's been a man of um, the round table or whatever uh, for a while now. <laughs> I think that's how it works,
3: yeah. <laughs> we were all
0: coming down from the buzz of the Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan, of course, which had only Ooh. happened a couple of days prior and a sad one we were only 2 days away from losing the true comedy legend that is Dermot Morgan dead for 25 years oh which my is, god yeah, a, really a, a sad one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bleak times indeed uh, on this day the eighth most popular tv show in the uk uh, that year aired it was of course we were all <laughs> sitting down on our settees family gathered round friends pets Extended family, everybody, to watch the series 12 finale of Casualty. It was a memorable one, 100%. And in music, in America, topping the charts was Celine Dion, With My Heart Will Go On. Yes, classic. Which, of course, (laughs) matches up quite well with the number one film in America. It was 11 weeks at the top of uh, the box office charts titanic there we go
2: there we go it
0: lasted while. however i do want to point out uh number one song in the uk corner shop brimful of asha oh
1: well that is a better song that song's brilliant i love that song so better
0: much. than Celine dion oh
1: uh, i think so for me it really? edges it yeah i think it has to yeah i don't I just, know i
0: think so too it came on it, on the radio when i was in the car uh, a couple of weeks ago and i was like, "My God!"
1: Oh. What, what a What a phenomenal track. Instant good mood when Brimful of Asher comes on.
0: Hmm. I mean, Celine Dion would love people to have that reaction when (laughs) my heart will go on comes on the radio I'm not I'm not saying Celine is a uh, an incredible woman and she doesn't doesn't she have a slot in Vegas I'm sure she's still there she sure does she is an incredible voice incredible woman still going at her age with all due respect
2: Celine if you're listening of course you are
0: she will be (laughs) be. (laughs) but but uh, uh, brimful of ash Adam come on from-
2: I don't know, I think I think I was just swept up with the whole Titanic experience, which I want to know, lads, where, where were you when you first saw Titanic? I was at home, and my elder sister was, uh,
1: she had it on VHS, and it was one of those things where... That was a big
2: selling video, I tell oh, you no. Know. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
1: and I think she we got to the point where she was watching it, like... Not quite daily, but you know, at least once a week. It was like it was like a season of our oh, Sarah's Got Titanic
0: on again. <laughs> it it, but, it yeah. was the first film I remember because I went to myself and Adam's local cinema cool. to see it. Yes, we maybe we were there on the same night, Adam. We just didn't huh. we didn't connect yet, the two of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I saw it in our local cinema, and it was the only film I remember growing up that had a break. There was an intermission. Oh, did they
1: do the intermission at your
0: one? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's
1: so cool. They didn't do that, at all the screenings. They did it for like the premiere in Leicester Square and stuff. What was your guys' cinema called when you were growing up? Was it an independent one?
2: Yeah,
0: Armand. Armand was Armande, Armand? Yes, I think so, yeah. Huh. T- teeny tiny little two-screen thing. Oh, yeah. that's
2: nice. I love uh, that. I saw like Jurassic Park there for the first time. Oh, uh, like page master, those kind of ones. But I remember right, Titanic going to see it with my parents when it came out. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, no, Colomy might have been there, but you could have been up the back, maybe shifting or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was basically there with my parents, and we were sitting there. I'm not going to lie, lads. I was I was excited. I was a very excited lad going to the cinema, and mm-hmm. I used to never bring any sort of. Um, I was kind of a bit of a weird one. I used to never really get sweets. I never really was into sweets as a child. No, I don't. Look, I'd be partial That's to That's very weird. That it is, is a bit weird, but I, I, it's going to get weirder in a second, no, right? Because what I would <laughs> bring to the cinema is a half a pint of milk and a cheese sandwich.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That's like, yeah, so a little,
2: wor- a little it, workman's lunch for yourself. Yeah, it was always a sandwich and a little carton of milk. And um, <laughs> I remember sitting in the cinema. In between my parents watching the Titanic, and I was like, "This is this is this is brilliant! God, we're going to be here all day long. It's so it's such a big film." And I was like, "This is fantastic!" And then you know the scene where like Kate Kate Winslet is getting painted, Mm -hmm. and you're just like, "Oh, oh my!" And I'm there with my parents sitting in the middle of them, and I just remember looking straight down and opening up my little carton of milk and going. I'm just going to stare at this carton of milk now for a small bit because I am so, I am so awkward. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Oh, that's great. But um, big, big movie. Big time movie for us. Massive. I felt is
0: Titanic better than people give it credit for? Yeah, it, it feels like it is derided by many now
2: nowadays. Mm.
0: But I I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to rewatch it, but what puts me off is the runtime. The runtime the is absolutely
2: bonkers. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember? Actually, not going about this isn't a Titanic podcast, obviously. But you know, um, <laughs> should be. <laughs> do you remember the the banging tune that they were playing at the. Uh, the bottom, let's say the bit, the basement yes. of the of the of the oh, ship. Oh yeah, where they were doing the jig and stuff. The the jig part, right? I remember now. Here's another random fact of my life. Um, that there used to be uh in in Cork City, where myself and Colin are from, there used to be a Virgin Mega Stores once upon a time. Oh, and what a shot. What a shop. Oh, Incredible, incredible. And I went in there and I paid seven quid to get the single of that song, right? And it was done. It was done.
0: They sold it as a single. They sold it as a single, right? Under
2: the title... Called the Titanic Corporation. Now, whether that is the name of the group or whatever, <laughs> at the time I knew that that jig was this song on this CD for seven quid, right? And you know what was even more hilarious about it? I wanted that one song. They gave you six remixes on top of it Oh my god! Did Fat Boy Slim get involved? Who who did the remixes? <laughs> sure, look. Testo. I didn't care. I was in anyway. <laughs> I felt like this was the best seven quid I ever spent. That's value for money, to be fair. Yeah. That is value for money. That should have been number one. Not My Heart Will Go On. No.
0: Sadly, though, this isn't no. a Titanic podcast. Uh, we do eventually have to talk about games. So, lads, let's get into it with a segment we like to call Back of the Box. This is the part of the show where I just give you some information about what we're going to be talking about. The name of the game is a useful one to start off with. And this week, we're talking about Tenshu stealth assassins and some people may be unaware so you might be thinking what is tenchu stealth assassins let me tell you it is a third person stealth action game where you play as a ninja and i think that pretty much sums it up mm. there are some little uh, nuances to it that we will discuss <laughs> as we go along uh its first release date was on the 26th of february 1998. That's why we're talking about it today, celebrating its 25th anniversary. And it came out on the PlayStation 1. And it was the, the only console it's ever come out for, actually. Mm. The series eventually would go to other systems, but this one, just exclusive to the PlayStation. And even when I say Tenshu Stealth Assassins came out on the, the 26th of February, 1998, it's not entirely true, because what came out on that date... In Japan, only, I should say, is a game, and fingers crossed, lads, for me that I'm able to pronounce this properly. <laughs> uh, it is Ritai Ninja Katsugeki Tenshu. So, this was essentially the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. There were differences between that and what we played all those years ago and before this podcast. There are cosmetic changes, like different looking menus and whatnot, but also. Stealth Assassins had a few other improvements like there was a somersault added to Stealth Assassins each stage also had a few more layouts in Stealth Assassins and as well as that it had two additional levels and that game of course that I'm I'm referencing came out in North America on the 31st of August 1998 and in Europe in October 1998 again when we're talking about old games it's those staggered releases <laughs> but not the only Tenshu Stealth Assassins releases because there were a couple of other Japan only releases. There was Ritai Ninja Katsugeki Tenshu Shinobi Geisen, which came out a year after its original Japanese release in 1999. This was an updated deluxe version that had everything that was in Stealth Assassins. But on top of that, it also had a level editor. Oh, wow. And then, mm. later on that year, they really milked Tenchu for, for all it's worth, that first game. <laughs> because on the 11th of November 1999, Ritai Ninja Katsugeki Tenshu Shinobi Hyokusen. God, I was doing so well. I was doing so well. I apologize for any Japanese speakers listening. But uh, that final release was a standalone expansion pack, and in it... There were videos from the Des, there was concept art, and there was levels that were created by players in Shinobi Gison, in the game that had a level editor. That's very cool. A separate release
1: to have a little sort of best of pack. I'm loving that.
0: You know what? Let let me tell you what's on the back of the physical box as I'm looking at it here. Cost me 12 great British pounds in CEX. (laughs) On the back of the box, there's actually... A lot of words We were talking about Was it remothered And there was Mm. like Very little it, It told you A lot of words On the stealth assassins box I'm not going to tell you all of them I will Highlight The main text That's on there It says Prowl and strike With lethal precision As ninja assassins Rikimaru Or Ayame In the shadowy world Of feudal Japan Armed with mystical weapons And sheer cunning You must shed blood With discretion And move without detection for only the unseen survive. Mm. Isn't that the coolest? It is very cool. <laughs> like if, if you're, you know, 11 years of age. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose you shouldn't be picking up this box because there's a big red 18 <laughs> on it as well. But regardless, you're going to pick it up because it's a cool looking box and you see that on the back. I'd be like, oh, sign me up.
1: I have to get it. That I have sounds to get incredible. Yeah, it. it wouldn't be up for debate. Yeah, and that was the day when, those in those days, you did just walk into a shop and you did just say, this game looks the coolest. You maybe read the back mm. and you went, I want that and I'm going to buy it. And you ended up with some weird stuff sometimes. But other times, you ended up with good stuff.
0: Some people maybe listen to this without playing Tenchu Stealth Assassins, and or they may not have any idea what it is at all. So let me try... And give you the story, a little synopsis of what happens in the game. So, Rikimaru and Ayame are two ninjas that serve Lord Goda of the Azuma clan, carrying out odd jobs and assassinations for the aforementioned Lord. These jobs are things like kill a money-greedy merchant, collect a magic herb at the top of a mountain, and retrieve a magic stone, except the stone is in the belly of a lady who you have to kill, but more on that later. (laughs) Uh, Every now and again An annoying pest Called Onikage Shows up And challenges you To a duel And Little side note I'm guessing he has Robot legs Because he's able to Block your blade With his knees (laughs) Uh, I suppose he is A bit supernatural Yeah Uh, Anyway All of this leads up To the final mission Where you have to save Lord Goda's daughter Princess Kiku Who is being held captive By Lord Mayo Who also turns out To be the big bad but you didn't know he even existed until you go after him, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, you kill Lord Mayo and reunite the Goda family and then some lovely music plays over the credits. And I think we have a lot to say about the music. So, you know, more on that later again. The developer behind this, uh, a developer by the name of a Choir. their story up to February 1998 isn't a very long one to tell. But listen to me make it long Because, (laughs) uh, and I suppose I should say This is the developer story up to this point We're not looking at their entire um, Because, you know, we're probably going to look at other games that Acquire made So this is Acquire story up to to this point Mm. Uh, They were founded in December 1994 And their first game was Tenchu Stealth Assassins Or the Japanese version of Tenchu Stealth Assassins And of course, they created the other different Tenchus uh, again as a developer, their story sort of goes like this. Takuma Endo uh, was the person who set up the company and got the ball rolling on Tenchu after winning a game design contest that Sony Music Entertainment, sure, why not, uh, that they had been running. Acquire got funding to create the game through that. And in an interview with Retro Gamer in 2019, Endo said that the company had been, quote, struggling for six months before we came up with the ninja concept. Not a very long story to tell. We'll be talking about Acquire again, I'm sure, at some other stage throughout this podcast because there are many Tenshu games, a couple actually not made by them as well. So, you know, there's a lot of Tenshu to talk about in the future. The publisher behind this, the game had two publishers as already referenced. You had Sony Music Entertainment Japan. And worldwide, you also had Activision. So... As wild as it is to believe, Activision had been on the go by 1998 for 21 years by the time Stealth Assassins was released. Good lord. Mm, They're set up in October 1979 and to try and get through those 21 years as quick as possible, they had their breakout hit in 1982 with Pitfall. They lived through the video game crash of the mid to late 80s. They were bought by Moneyball's Bobby Kotick and all around not a very nice fella in 1991 <laughs> they started acquiring developers in the late 90s and then they regained some of that earlier success by publishing Quake 2 and then Tenchu Stealth Assassins and in the same uh, Retro Gamer article I referenced a while ago producer David Gridgens said he saw a preview for Tenchu Stealth Assassins in an issue of Famitsu while in Japan and was instantly taken by it. He said, quote, we contacted Sony and discovered they had no plans to release the game outside of Japan. At the time, they were shopping the rights to another PlayStation title, but I said, no, no, I want Tenshu," <laughs> And it went on to become Activision's best-selling game of 1998. Huh. Oh my word.
3: Excellent. I
0: tried to find out what that other game they were shopping around was, but I, I just couldn't. I'm very, very curious. Sales-wise, again, do you know, to, to repeat myself, very, very difficult when it comes to games. The best thing I could find, once again, thank you very much, Retro Gamer, for putting that article together in 2019. From that article... David Gridgens the Activision producer said that Tension Stealth Assassins had sold approximately 5 million copies worldwide so quite quite the hit that's pretty good that's a big old hit yeah the critical reception of this one you're talking big scores here on Metacritic it has an 87
1: that's tasty
0: critically acclaimed So that is the back of the box. But now we have to talk about the advertising and the press attitude towards Tenchu Stealth Assassins up until its release. So let's just dive into it because there isn't an awful lot because this is pre-internet. It's much harder to track down magazines. I do have one that I'm able to bring up later. And I guess, you know, you don't have many dev diaries or or trailers or anything like that. But there were a few trailers I was able to find and put in our little document. I don't know if either of you watched them. I, I don't think they're essential viewing. I, I was able to find a, a trailer that Activision had put together and also a trailer that appears to be for the Japanese market. They're quite different, actually, I found. Like, the, the, the trailer for the Japanese market is... Very, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I'm not a Japanese speaker. I can't understand what's being said, but it's very descriptive. A lot of talking, a lot of explaining what tenshu is in there. Mm,
1: mm. It's sort of, it, it, it feel, I guess, you kind of get the sense they wanted people to understand exactly what they were getting into, right? Like, <laughs> as if it was like an overly complicated pitch or something. They really want to make it abundantly clear.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I suppose we, we'll probably get onto it, but it was unprecedented, really. Whilst Konami was making their own in Japan, this, didn't it? I think it did. This came out before Metal Gear Solid. It did. Advertising-wise, I don't have many, you know, billboard ads or anything like that, but there is one magazine ad that I (laughs) showed the, the both of you. And again, it's an audio medium. But essentially, the only thing you need to know about this ad is that it's the cover of the game, which is a black background and just... A shape that looks like an eye opening and the face of Ricky Maru inside that shape. And the text reads, the stealth ninja Ricky Maru, as seen by the vocal cords of a palace guard. <laughs> I thought
1: that was excellent. I loved You know, again... I guess no. We still have magazines. Advertising isn't that sort of, you know, when well, you know, an advertising kind of rude tood, Yeah, a yeah, proper nineties. Uh, th- this is like a great example of the rude toot. and we kind of we I we, uh, don't think we kind of have that anymore. Really, just like a, a hot, an impact poster with a little cheeky, kind of kind of funny, kind of silly, kind of over the top, but sort of glorious in its own way.
0: Mm-hmm. Preview wise and you know pre-launch news mm. again pre-internet so i don't have an awful lot but i was able to track down a preview that again talking about magazines that computer and video games would be known i suppose as cvg to those of us of a, a certain vintage mm. from an issue i can i couldn't figure out what month it was but it was it was 1998 Quote, it's brutal, but the animation is so convincing that the adrenaline rush is tremendous. Easily one of the coolest games to look forward to this year. So I think it's fair to say, and I, 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 I feel like that's representative of how a lot of people were feeling prior to release. Essentially, that is setting up Tenchu: Stealth Assassins for us to discuss it for the next three hours. So we're going to take a quick little break. And then we'll be back with our review of Tenchu Stealth Assassins. So before we talk about our feelings, our 2023 feelings of Tenchu Stealth Assassins, I want to know your knowledge of the game before you played it for this podcast. So Josh, for those people that missed out on your beautiful story in episode <laughs> one, would you like to retell that? Tell, tell us your your knowledge of Tenchu Stealth Assassins.
1: Yeah, my knowledge, it must have been in, in 1998 or 1999. I was, uh, I went to, uh, I have family from Middlesbrough and I went to my cousin Jonathan's who had a PlayStation. Um at what i later discovered was a chipped playstation he was very naughty and had lots of mm. uh, cd rewritables with the, the games names on them drawn in pen um but i saw him playing uh, tenchu and i remember it just kind of being sort of shocked and and kind of blown away really cuz it it was do you remember when um, playstation was sort of being aimed at 20-somethings and people that went Mm -hmm. to nightclubs. You know, things like Wipeout were kind of, you know, it was that real, oh wow, PlayStation's kind of grown up, it's kind of adult. They really sort of did that quite well. Big time.
0: Yeah, it, it was like, do you like Apex Twin? Well, try a PlayStation.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and they had all
1: the adverts with the like the young people who were having like nosebleeds and stuff in nightclubs because they were like they, these guys have been playing Wipeout and their noses are bleeding. Um, but I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, very much being part of that for me. Like we, you know, having a Nintendo or a Mega Drive, it it really felt like adult shit in a big way because mm-hmm. the, the blood is so fucking mental. It's intense. It's it's like fountains of blood and also the noises of it and the way it just sort of pools on the floor. I remember just watching it thinking, oh man, like mum and dad don't know that I shouldn't really be watching Cousin Jonathan play this. This is nutty. And he he, he seems cool with it so I'll just keep watching him. Um, <laughs> and I didn't... But it, but it wasn't really a stealth vibe. It, it was purely... I saw that he was creeping around. The grappling hook looked amazing. But I was just... It wasn't so much, oh my god, you know th- this is pure stealth like it would be with Metal Gear a little bit later. It was kind of just, good lord, this is clearly for grown ups. This is this is savage stuff.
0: Adam, I I feel like you have a, a kind of a sadder story to to tell. Is that right?
2: It's a sad tale. Um, so I played the demo uh, that came with like well, I don't know what place the official PlayStation magazine. It was one of those ones anyway, mm. and I remember thinking like this is. This is, this is, which by the way, right, was like eh, buying those magazines back then was no issue, even (laughs) though the the game demo was still there and you could still experience its violence and it's, you know, even though that you take the demo disc out, you turn it around, it would still have the cert on it. But you know, it was a magazine. A lot of people saw it. It's a magazine, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, played the demo, thought it was brilliant. Now I recently well not recently a few episodes back I mentioned that I, I still have my membership card to my local video store back in the day Extravision, right still dreaming <laughs> for that place to open up again anyway mm-hmm. went into the store there there it was and I was just looking at Tenchu and I was there and I was like oh god damn I, I, I really want <laughs> I really want to get this and to you know to you know when you have that money and you're mm. you're like 11 or 12 and you're like I, I, I have money in my pocket and I tell you <laughs> It's going on this game, or it's going on a bottle of milk and a sandwich <laughs> and another ticket to Titanic. And and ticket and to Titanic, Titanic no.
1: again,
2: I'm telling you, no, it's being spent there, next that's that, stat, right? But like, I remember, right? I vividly remember on this particular day of looking at you, bringing it up to my face, you could see the big red 18 sort, and I was like, Oh, this is this is this is going to be a problem. I knew it, in my hair, right? and when mm. I turned. I realized that there was no one else in the store, but me and the man behind the counter who was staring directly at me. And Ooh. I tell you, no, it would have suited the entire thing if the Kill Bill team tune, doing you know, that alarm that goes, <laughs> Woo! Woo! Woo!
3: <laughs> <laughs> if,
2: if that kicked off, it would have made sense because I slowly just walked up, and we were just like we were. It was a stare down. It was a stare down, and I was going towards him, and I got up to the counter. And I put it on the counter and he just went, no. And I was like, cool, see you later. I was like, it's not happening. And it, w- it was a killer. And do you know what? I never, ever had the opportunity to play Tenchu in full until this oh. podcast.
0: Yeah. Like you, Adam, I went into Extravision. But the yeah. thing is, you got to bring a parent with you. This was a time where. You know, games are toys. I mean, mm. they still are, but like this is when they re- they really are toys, mm. and they are for children. So your parents do not care. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, can can you get me this one, ma'am? And she was like, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I I love the idea of of my mother walking up to the counter of Extravision, handing Tenchu, and being like, yes, I will play this.
1: that's excellent stuff all right yeah i remember when did you did you you guys have electronics boutique
0: no i don't think they ever came to ireland okay no okay
1: well uh this kid from uh from my school not really a friend but an acquaintance uh he bought manhunt when we were 2000 so he must have been like 10 or or maybe 9 but i think 10 and he bought a copy of manhunt from electronics boutique uh, Ryan Martin, if he's listening, hello Ryan. Um, and uh, big fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and the the, the woman behind the counter uh, just like saw that it was obviously an 18 and stuff. She was like, oh, "It's an 18." And oh shit, you not? Ryan was like, "Oh no, it's not a film. It's it's like a it's a game. So it doesn't it doesn't like apply." And she sold it to him. It Doesn't count. Like she like she she, she legitimately thought that was like a that was a, that was a thing at that time. Because I think they also sold DVDs or something. So he was like, oh, no, no, they're, yeah, they're yeah. Like, like this is a game. It doesn't, you know. And she was like, she was like oh, oh, okay. Sold it to him. <laughs> he popped out and he was like 10 <laughs> or 11 years old or something mental like
0: that. But yeah, those were the days. Eh? That's incredible. But there will be some people who didn't play along at home. So let me give you uh, as best as possible a succinct description of the gameplay. So, Tenchu Stealth Assassins, a third-person stealth action game where you play as one of two ninjas, Rikimaru or Ayame. You choose them at the start of either at the start of the game. There isn't an awful lot of difference between the two. It's mostly just different dialogue in cutscenes, And I have examples of both because um, they're quite different characters. I have hmm. examples I'll, I'll show you later. But the game is split up into 10 different sandbox levels, each with their own ultimate objective. Often that's to get to a specific point in the map or kill a particular target. Importantly, the objective is to do that as stealthily as possible. So that means avoiding enemies' lines of sight, using the items you have on your person, like a grappling hook to get to the rooftops and taking out adversaries from behind with a, a single hit stealth execution. Important note is that this is a score attack game. So these levels are made to be replayed. So as the player, your goal is to try and better your performance in the levels the more you play them. And the better your performance, the better your score. And the ultimate goal is to get a Grandmaster rating on each of the game's stages. And when you get a Grandmaster rating on a stage, you also get an extra item to use on the other stages. And that's pretty much it. We'll talk about all the nuances as we go along. Hmm. So when we review these games, we break them down into different parts. We talk about the stealth. We talk about the boom boom. We talk about the most noteworthy mission level or area. I guess it's a level in this game and what we think of the story. And then we just talk about, you know, miscellaneous, anything else that we have to add. But let's start off, as we always do, with the stealth. So, Josh, why don't you kick us off and explain to the the people at home how the stealth works, or specifically the the key system.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's kind of cool. So it's sort of this game's version of the soliton radar, I suppose, but much less helpful. Um, it's so you run it around in the level, and uh, Ricky Mario or Ayame have the power to sense their opponent's key energy. Uh, which basically just means you get a little blue question mark. but So you get nothing in the bottom left when you're just knocking about and there's no trouble. You get a blue question mark that sort of pops up when an enemy's near and you get a little number next to it. And I think the number is like a percentage of how close you are to that enemy so that when it's 100, they're like right there, you know. And I, I think that's really, really good uh, for a couple of reasons. It reminds me a lot of the AP sensor from Metal Gear which I think specifically Metal Gear Solid 3, although it might have actually been in 2, but I just never used it. Um, so it'll just say, someone's nearby, you need to be on edge. We're not telling you where they are. We're just telling you that they're somewhere and actually that they're closer or that they're getting closer or further away. And coupled with the fact that, you know, you can't see very far because it's a PS1 game. So the draw distance is, you know, not great. It creates a lot of tension. It's quite nice. And it's, and it's, it's sort of useful enough So that you kind of stop what you're doing and go, okay, and then you hold L1 and then you look around, you're thinking, right, where is this person? In terms of a mechanic that actually informs the way you play, but more than that, informs the way that you feel, like you actually feel like everything's suddenly not okay, I need to stop and I can sense something, but I can't... It's kind of like Spider-Sense, but done in a mechanical way that actually makes, well, it doesn't make sense exactly, but it, it <laughs> okay. makes you feel, yeah. you know, when Spider-Sense happens in Spider-Man, it's just a thing that goes off and you push a button and he dodges the thing. With this, mm-hmm. kind of behaves more like Spider-Sense would behave for the user of Spider-Sense. It's like, oh shit, okay, it's not telling me what I need to know, but it's telling me I need to be bloody careful, I'm going to stop and be super wary. And that, to me... Really, really tense, really clever. Kind of never done again, apart from the AP sensor, I think, in in MGS3. But yeah, good. Not all that helpful. Sometimes leads to frustration, but mainly I bloody loved it.
0: Yeah, it tells you when to be wary of what's happening around you Mm, via mm. different symbols. If you see nothing, there's no problem. If you see a question mark, there's an enemy close by. If you see an exclamation mark, it means an enemy is looking in your direction and suspects something. Mm-hmm. And if you see an exclamation mark and question mark, the enemies are on edge; they're they're on alert; they they suspect; so they're kind of searching the area. Mm-hmm. And then two exclamation mark just means. You're staring you're an enemy in the face, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it it does. I I I get what you're wrestling with, in that it makes sense. But it, I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense. But it it's trying to.
1: Yeah. It's an
0: example of uh, a ninja's heightened awareness of their surroundings, sure. in lieu of a mini map.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, mm. yeah. Although it does have a good map, by the way, which I forgot to note down. Did you guys use make much use of the map?
0: Not a ton. I I found it a bit. Difficult to read, to be honest. Yeah, it
1: only gives you a little Good. red X with no sense of what, like where you're, you have to sort of move to work out which way, you, yeah. which way you're facing. But the key
0: meter is essential because you made reference to it, Josh. Doesn't sound like it bothered you maybe as much as it did some other people talking here this evening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that key meter is essential because the draw distance. Is a little iffy, isn't it, Adam Carroll? It is.
2: Um, yeah, it's look, as you said, Josh, like it this is a PS1 game. You can in part forgive it, but you could you can also in my head I'm going, is this really on purpose for the whole like, you know, lurking in the shadows kind of situation? Right. Like yeah. is this what they're kind of going for as well? But at times, like when you're working off something that like it is that key system where it is just a number that's going up or down. I, I really enjoy it. Mm. Did, did, I, did I want to map? Not particularly because did I want like a radar thing? Not particularly because like I felt like just having the, the, the key system was like a, amazing tension as you were saying. But mm. when I was kind of seeing that number go up and I was like up against the wall or something, I was like, where where where, where, where is this person? What's going on? Mm. Like, I'm like, what's happening here? So I kind of move out of the way to go somewhere. And, you know, we'll we'll get on about the the overall tank controls and stuff like that in a minute. Like, but um, the, like, it would slowly fade in. An enemy would slowly fade in. And I was always kind of like, oh, oh, there, there, there he is. Right. okay. But then he would go away again. I was like, I I don't, I don't know if I want to take that risk. I don't know if I want to do this. (laughs) Now, I do get it. I understand. And it does bring tension. But. There's a lot of risk when you're playing this game, which we'll talk about. But um, just that draw distance, for the most part, it was it was just getting irritating Mm. because with the game's difficulty overall, I felt like like if I could just start seeing my enemies a bit more clearly, (laughs) like that (laughs) would just make this little journey that little bit nicer, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Mm. it it was just one of those things. It bothered me as well.
0: I, I get it's a limitation of the console. Mm -hmm. But we are talking about it, having played it today, you know. There are going to be things that maybe we're more forgiving of. There maybe are things that we're going to be harsher on. Hmm. And the the draw distance is one for me that it was on a PlayStation. They couldn't do much more. It's essentially the Silent Hill used fog Hmm. and Tenchu Stealth Assassins uses night. So every level is set at night and that's the blackness. That you so it makes it more difficult to see everything. A clever move, mm. but I still think it doesn't make it easier to swallow the idea of an enemy seeing you before you see them. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It's yeah. it happens enough that it becomes noticeable. Mm. Where where, like you, Adam, you are going, well, I can't I'm seeing the number go up, but I don't know where you are. And yeah. in order to see them then you have to go into your first person mode where you, um, simple, same as Metal Gear Solid, I suppose, mm. uh, you have to stop dead, press a button, and then you can, uh, yeah, you just go into first person you're able to see in front of you. Yeah, it, it, It's just, it, it's awkward and it, in a stealth game where it's very important to be able to mm. see mm. around you or have tools at your disposal to run away and hide and be aware of where the enemies are. (laughs) Even when you're being very careful, there are just times where it feels unfair.
2: Like, let's put it this way, right? I was playing that, I was playing this game and I was, I I think I was like two levels in and I said to myself, I was like, there is no way I am getting Grandmaster in this game. Not a (laughs) chance is this going to happen. And it kind of, it blows my mind that, like you know, like there's probably somebody sits right now and going, "Well, I tell you no lad, when I got that game day one, pro." Like, but <laughs> you know, it, like I know that you it can be done, but it's one of those things because of that draw distance, because of like the overall design. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to really play that game a lot of times to know the ins and outs and where you're going the to navig- to navigate because you can skip a ton of stuff. I imagine. I imagine you could scale the rooftops mm-hmm. and get yeah. through a level quickly and know exactly where to drop and avoid a ton of enemies. But that's where I feel the grand mass scene comes into it. If you're just playing that first time round, like... I don't know how you're supposed to do it, you know? Mm.
1: And also good, I guess you could sort of say to yourself, pretty good replay value because you wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't not be fun. It, like if you just wanted to play Tenchu and get the thug rating, you could just go through and just batter some people and just kind of run around like it's an action game. And then as you say, Adam, yeah, like, actually I'm going to do a Grand Master run. By the way, was this the first game that used the rating system. When you completed Metal Ooh. Gear Solid, I know it used the ra- it gave you a rating, did it not? Like an animal, like an iguana rating uh, or something. Yes, you know. at,
0: at the very end. At the yes, very yeah. end.
1: But I'm just thinking of, you know, because I always think of Hitman when I think of this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But actually, I wonder if Tenchu was the first game to give you the end of level stealth
0: rating. I d- it might mm-hmm. be, I don't know. Anyway, go It's
2: on. a very arcade feel, I think, when that comes around.
0: Mm-hmm. But there are other issues. You know, again, it's a 1998 game. You made reference to it, Adam. The controls
2: are pretty awkward. And they're pretty awkward because they're tank controls. But Colin, before you, before you talk about those controls, I think it's, a, I just want to jump in and say, I think you, you should probably describe that really interesting Training level.
3: <laughs>
2: when it comes to controls. That level was incredible.
0: I think it's on the main menu. It's, it's separate to the like new game option. Yeah, there's, there's something on the menu that's called training. And when I started up, I was like, oh, perfect. The tutorial. This is going to teach me how to play the game. You go into it nothing. There's a bit of voice acting at the start about you're introduced to who Lord Goda is Mm. etc, etc. It's it's essentially an obstacle course Mm. where you must go and kill people. Um, (laughs) But when you go in there the game tells you nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it even tells you how to move your character. No, fair enough, you can take it. It's probably the D-pad. But yeah, it, it tells you nothing. It doesn't tell you how to use your 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 weapons. It doesn't tell you how to use the grappling hook. It doesn't tell you how the key meter works. It tells mm. you absolutely nothing. So I had to take to the internet and find a nice <laughs> Australian YouTuber man who was very excited about murdering <laughs> and he was able to show me how to play the game. I think when, and we're probably going to compare it a lot to Metal Gear Solid because they came out you know, within months of each other, basically.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, when you think of Metal Gear Solid and like, press the action button to do this and da-da-da, mm-hmm. like, this This is the complete opposite. It mm-hmm. doesn't tell you a single solitary thing. However, when, when you kind of figure it out a little bit, it's still pretty awkward because... <laughs> so, so how you control the characters? You can you can strafe left and right like it's a a first-person shooter or something like that. You can dash backwards, you can dash forwards. But if you swiftly need to jog to your left, what you have to do with your character is stop dead in your tracks, turn your character on the spot to turn them the direction you want to face, and then you can run away to your heart's content. Like, one thing I love about Tensho, and I think I mentioned this on our first episode when I was talking about what I like about stealth games. But one thing I love about this game is that you can escape once you've, once you've been seen and sort of reset the world. Mm. You can grapple to the rooftops, chill out for a bit, allow enemies to go from a, an alert mentality back to a regular patrolling path. And that's great. But what isn't great is that you need to be pretty reactive in this game. Or in a scenario I've laid out where, yeah, an enemy sees you and you have to grapple to the rooftops.
3: Mm.
0: And there are definitely occasions where your escape is hindered by the fact that your character doesn't move them the way you want them to do. You can apply all of this to kills as well. As I definitely ran into a few moments where my Ricky Maru, I was playing as a Ricky Maru, where, yeah, my character wasn't being terribly light on his feet when trying to take down a baddie. And thus I ended up being seen and all hell broke loose. I, I did quickly see that R1 plus X, uh, I did recognise that, that move. That is a godsend. I hope the both of you used it. Oh, that was so good. When you press that, your character rolls and they 180 themselves in the other direction. And that that's something, but still, like if you compare it to Resident Evil, right, which also had tank controls, as a general rule, I think they're pretty muck. But I get how some people would say in the original Resident Evil games, that sort of awkwardness actually adds to the atmosphere of the game yeah. because it makes it more difficult for you to get away from the zombies or, or whatever's after you. Yeah. In this, I just, I couldn't get on with it. It really bogged me. Hmm. Hmm. Didn't bother you, Josh? No, I, I mean, I guess... Yeah, it
1: didn't. I because I, I, I spent quite a while. I did I sort of did what you did and sort of went into that training thing and I, I sort of learnt the moonsault jump, which is amazing. Uh the little 180 thing, jumping in all directions, the dash, all that sort of stuff. And I actually felt a little bit <clears throat> it reminded me of Tomb Raider in the sense that mm-hmm. I suppose it is awkward, uh, by today's standards. But there's a really lovely feeling that you get when you understand completely what everything is going to do every single time. Mm-hmm. And there's a really nice economy in those early Tomb Raider games. You think, okay, well, if I do one 180 manoeuvre and take one hop back, this will be precisely the, the running distance she needs to clear this gap, right? It, it, it's that feeling of mastery over the environment. With Tenshu, I take your point, like, you know, if you want to suddenly run to the left, that's, uh, that, <laughs> that can cause some trouble. Um but I didn't struggle with it on the whole. Um, I suppose in, in, in something like Resident Evil, one of, the, one of the things that's not talked about so much... is that, and I suppose it started in Alone in the Dark, is that one of the reasons tank controls were so important was because it allowed the developer to do those nutty camera angles. Because if up is always forwards, you knew that you could continue holding up no matter, you know, whatever the weather, and you could just look at those lovely camera angles and just be confident your character would keep moving the way they needed to. And that's why, you know, when people don't do tank controls, but still do those static things, like in the medium, it sort of fucks up. But... Uh, yeah, I sort of found potential. I really liked that. That sort of this is the grid do a 180, you'll be facing that way, do the moon salt jump to land but, you know, behind your opponent but facing them. Um I totally take your point. Uh, yeah, like I, I, it didn't. I don't think it bothered me quite as much. I, I, maybe there's like a sort of switch that clicks in my head, and I think, right, I'm going to get back to 1998 as best I can. <laughs> Having said that, I do definitely, I did get your emotion. Uh, there was at least a, two or three times where I thought. I need to run the other way. Or oh, no, you know what it was—a um, narrow bridge or a narrow beam. It's quite funny getting uh, your man to run across that because you're, you're pressing up and you're sort of tilting him ever so slightly right and left like a ship. And he—and <laughs> if the when the beams quite when the beams quite narrow, uh, it, it, things do fuck up. And a, and a couple of times I plunged him off a waterfall. But <laughs> so, so I do definitely get your point. But it didn't quite annoy me during the stealthy bits quite so much, it doesn't sound like. What did you make of it, Adam? Did they really piss you off as well?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was was irritating, but, you know, it was something that I knew I had to get my head around because, like, it took... It took a while. Let's (laughs) just say, like, it just... It took a while for me to really get into the swing of it, you know? Mm. Like, it requires patience, and when it's really kind of just, like awkward as it is when you're when you're look when you play it today as well for the first like uh, this year for the first time properly after playing all these games that we've played over the last couple of years you kind of go oh wow this is this is difficult but you know yeah i'd be kind of in the same vein as column like you know
0: i think one thing we can all agree on well we'll see is the <laughs> items at your disposal however uh, one in particular Uh, Because I know, Josh, you have a lot to say on this, but I just wanted to mention, and I I said this off, or I said this a minute ago, that at the beginning of each level, you get to pick a number of items to have on your person when you're going through the level. And there are like shurikens or, well, I should say shurikens in the American version, Mm. but in the European version, there's little throwing knives. (laughs) don't know why that different that change was made very apparently, odd
1: apparently it was because it was the bbfc uh, which i think yeah it would have been the bbfc uh where there was a real clampdown at that time uh in the 90s on uh ninja and sort of samurai culture being portrayed as being like cool so things like nunchucks throwing stars you know that sort of stuff um they did, kind of didn't want to encourage kids to now it's a bit bonkers because I would argue that uh, a, a young child can probably more easily come, you know, find, him, find, find himself a little bread knife that he can assure a can, yeah. but, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> but, you know, not, not for me to uh, criticise the BBFC, what, you know, whatever.
2: I would also love to see kids taken down the streets as ninjas. That would be <laughs> unreal. <laughs>
1: Well, you'd never see them, of course, if they were any good. Of course, of course, <laughs> God damn it! I'm such
0: a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as well, as well as shurikens or little throwing knives, mm. you have grenade or mines or caltrops, et cetera, et cetera. But the best one, it has to be the poisoned rice. Oh, man. Yeah. I loved that. <laughs> it's, it's, a dis- it's a distraction item that you throw out in front of you. Think of the magazine in Metal Gear Solid. You throw out a bowl of rice in front of you. A guard eats it and then they don't die, but it gives you a chance like for qu- for quite a while. I don't know, I didn't time it like 30 seconds or so. They're sort of in convulsions and they've lost control of themselves and you can go down and kill them. But I just love the idea of <laughs> somebody patrolling an area seeing a bowl of rice on the floor that wasn't there previously (laughs) and just thinking, yummy.
1: Immediately my dinner, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Very, very
0: strange. But yeah, you you enjoyed the the items in general, Josh, yeah? Yeah, they're
1: so good, man. I mean, and also, we've got to give some props to Tenchu because it beat the first Hitman game. And like, I think... I don't know if this is definitely true, but I'm going to pretend that it is and I'm going to say it. This must be <laughs> the first game where you're charged for killing people, but before each mission, you decide on the tools that you want. And like, that was always a really cool thing about Hitman. It was like, you know, it's up to you. Which gun do you, you know, you got there first, I think, which I just think is such a cool thing. I want to kind of like give, give it props for that because it's such a cool feeling. Poison rice, amazing like just love it i I also sometimes you could just not kill them you can just run away but like let that let that fella try and recover his bowels or whatever and i'll just run to the exit um shurikens as well very very good for the dogs I'm sure you guys were annoyed by the dogs oh god
2: those dogs <laughs> <laughs> they're no business being there
0: they are well, well, they're vital for dogs but not, not not for the actual guards a guard can take one shuriken to the face and they'll be, they'll be harmed, but they'll be okay. They'll come running after you. Dogs, though, one shuriken, gone.
1: It's a one-shot, and it is glorious. It's, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, pooch. I'll see you later. Uh, because they <laughs> are really... Because the draw distance is, is shiter, and the dogs are worse than the guards for that because they can come at you more quickly, I think. So the feeling of spotting one of those little fuckers and nailing them with a the shuriken is transcendent stuff. Uh, I have to say, it was a highlight for me. It really was, but... I'm probably not a well person, but there you go. One thing
0: that we should mention, and I know you wanted to highlight this, Adam, was that when you're playing a level and let's say you take out four throwing knives, two caltrops, three poison rice, I, I think you're entitled to 15 items, four different kinds of items, but then 15 versions of the, that item. I, th- mm. I think that's right. But if you take out, for example, two health kits and you die... While you're, on, while you're playing that level that health kit is gone you are sent back to the very start you must take out other items and yeah you can't again choose those health kits that you, that you took out L- little side note but we, we didn't even comment on the fact that it is incredibly punishing like when you die in a level there's no checkpointing you are sent back to the very beginning but yeah I know the, the lost items was something you wanted to talk about
2: Adam holy holy mother of god <laughs> when i realized that this was the crack <laughs> oh lads i i i had to take a a, a few minutes to myself and, and just go right we're doing this so is it. i was like okie dokie then i actually think you know what when 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 i when i started when i died first and then i was like i died first i remember and i was at the Started level, and but I remember I didn't progress that far so I was like alright whatever grand and then I kind of cracked on and then I got really far and then I died again and went back to the start and I went oh no oh god <laughs> and then when I realised that my items were going oh uh, lads it's like look here's the thing it, it, it adds to it all I understand but once again I keep saying playing it in today's world it is it's one of those things where I was like ooh, this is, this is very, very, now, because I'm, like, you're taking in all the issues with the, like, for me anyway, with the draw distance and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. look, I've, 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 I've good, I've a lot of good to say about the game as well. But like, the draw distance and stuff, all that's there, the controls, that's awkward. Then you get this situation. And I was (laughs) just like, oh, mother of God, this is, this is full on. But like, I think, look, it kind of brings on to my, like, my last point regarding this is that like, Adding to the tension, I feel it, it does remind me a lot of the influence it, it has had on like a ton of games, such as a lot of From Software. Mm. Like, and when you play, look, let's say Sekiro, which is, oh, Jesus, when, you, when I think of Sekiro compared to Tenchu you now and the level of speed you go on Sekiro, it's actually quite hilarious.
0: Well, it it started life as a Tenchu game. Yeah. Sekiro, it, because from... from 2004 From Software have owned the rights but because yeah. Sek- Sekiro was a success I don't think we're ever going to get a Tenchu game.
2: <laughs> no, no. But like I'll just say that like that all the, the stuff you do in a From Software game like every step you take along your journey is full blown sweat. You're just like nervous. You don't know what's going to go on here. Everything could fall apart and that is kind of what Tenchu was doing and it's it's kind of it's it's ahead of its time, really, for that kind of thing. And that's where I was kind of going, all right, look, OK, maybe like I would love to have gone back to the day I was out. And I would have loved to have went, hmm. look, Mr. Exhibition Man, would you just please give it to me? Because I'm going to be doing a podcast in a couple <laughs> of years time and I'm going to have talk about this because I feel like, do you know, when people have played this back then, what were, did they see these problems? Probably not. No, they just went, oh, this is what it is. So you're, you're, you're having to just think of all that kind of thing. But um, it's it's very similar to what from software, I think, design a lot now in their games. And uh, was it for me? No, but like I could live with it when I knew what was going on. And I think it just makes you kind of start being very serious with your with your game. Like you're kind of going, all right, look, I, I really need to finish this so every single thing like it's, it's all a bit of crack at first like, oh, look at this hilarious Where well, he moves but, but like you know you really have to start going I need to get through the game now and I need to start playing it right
0: I was worried for a while as well
2: <laughs> oh god
0: I was like I don't think I'm going to be able to play past like the second level in this
2: the, the poison rice is great crack it's like no I have to start doing more stuff here <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and that is one thing I wanted to mention as well was with its faults for me, when it all started to click, like successfully performing a stealth execution is marvellous. Mm-hmm. It really yeah, it's quality. is. All of your stealth actions are performed with one button, similar to like Cooper and all of his acrobatics with one button. <laughs> but everything stealth-wise in Tenchu is one button. It's all on R1, and that's crouching, going into cover. Rolling. You can roll as well. But grappling to a roof, looking around with the first-person camera, seeing your, your prey walk around and then Mm. waiting for them to turn their back jumping down getting them with the one hit stealth execution without being spotted then grappling back to the rooftop oh just chef's kiss yeah yeah it's (laughs) glorious when it works Mm. and it does make you feel like a proper sneaky little bastard ninja it's just a lot of the time it doesn't work or you feel like you've been unfairly punished because of this that or the other but those those times where you where you pull off those kills is is it's just fantastic
1: and so much mm-hmm. like um, Sekiro for me because I I love oh, big time. Sekiro so so much. In fact, I, it
2: might still be my favorite from software game. Yeah, I, I actually said that exact same thing last night really? to a friend of mine. That's mental. Yeah, yeah, because I was talking about it in the ring, and I I only finished Sekiro like like I think like two years ago for the first time <laughs> ever. Like I just got through, it and I was saying I think. That is my favorite, but that's conversation for a different time.
1: Yeah, no, for mm. sure. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think that, and I, and I think that kind of it, it, it is a Tenchu game in a lot of ways. It is what it looked like now, but those stealth kills in tenchu that that you could talk about column it's so similar in what you get that amazing uh moment in sekiro when you break someone's posture and it goes when you get that weird Incredible. bass noise and you push it and the resultant execution is so unbelievably violent and there's so much blood you just It's that feeling of like catharsis because it's like the tension you feel when you're creeping around, it really kind of winds you up like a spring. And then when you get those little moments, you're just like, oh, you can, it's really weird. You can almost relax when you've just killed someone. (laughs) It's Mm. it's quite clever, mechanically. Also, just a quick uh, point, because the grappling hook, so, so, so good. Uh, And again, reminiscent of Sekiro, but we, we have got to just quickly say... Before Uncharted in two thousand and seven, before Crystal Dynamics had a crack at Tomb Raider in two thousand and six or Tomb Raider Legends, these people at Acquire, they nailed grabbing ledges. Just really, really reliably, and from multiple angles, and not fucking it. And just whenever you did the grappling hook, were you guys not just quite confident that you it would just whip you up onto the roof that you
2: wanted to go on? Like, or if it wouldn't, he would always grab it, right? Yeah, it was. It was actually something like that kept impressing me. It was like it, it really wasn't limited at all. It, like I remember at one stage there was like I can't remember what mission it was in particular, no, but there's a a big bridge to go over at the end. And there was a couple of enemies to start the bridge. And I remember I was like, oh, I don't want to risk this at all. No, I'm going to die and blah, blah, blah and lose everything. Mm. But I was like well, like, well, I'll just chance this here now. And, and I actually like shot the grappling hook at the side of the bridge at the very end. And I just zipped through the side. And I was like, I can't believe you left me do that. I was like, that's just brilliant. Like, so, yeah, it, it is. It is really impressive. And like, you can really like, you can get on top of every roof in that game. I was just about to say, the vertical, the way
1: that then, infl- like Sekiro, the way it influences the level design then, is like, yeah. oh, well, if I want to do Grandmaster, then I will just basically never be on the ground. I'll be up on the roots <laughs> all the time. It's fucking amazing. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah I've diverted us. Let, let, let's go on.
0: Well, before we go on, because <laughs> I think we've we've spoken about the stealth enough. Let's take a quick little break, and we will be back right after this little musical interlude to talk about the boom boom. <laughs> now, as the Venga boys would want us to, it is time to talk about the boom boom. In this room, a virtual room, where we are talking over the internet, magical technology. Uh, yes, this is the part of the podcast where we discuss the things that are a bit louder than uh, sneaking around in the world of Tenchu stealth assassins, like the murdering, which there is Murder. plenty of it in this game. But... Before we get on to the murderings, I know, Josh Wise, you wanted to talk about all the cool moves you could do in this.
1: Oh, my God. Did you guys use the moonsault jump? Just tell me. You've got to tell me. Did you do it?
0: I figured out how to do it, but I never used it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. I was like,
2: oh, class, never doing that again.
1: Oh, it was so good. I tell you what, in, yeah, it, good ninja moves in this game. The rolling, brilliant, leaning up against the walls, all that good stuff when it does like force you into combat, which is the bosses, I guess the moonsault was unbelievable because basically you could just, so you, uh, you attack them with your basic three hit thing. Whenever they then you basically, you take one dash back. So double tap down perfect distance. And then it's down up X <clears throat> and you jump high enough to, to just dodge whatever they do and you land facing them and they are looking away from you. But the good thing is, is that your enemies, unlike with the sight stuff, your enemies are still bound by the same tank controls that you are. Mm. So it actually takes your enemies quite a while to turn around. They don't seem to be to be able to do the R1 and X 180 roll. So that's bad for them. <laughs> the moonsault, I just felt like a god every single time I did it. And I would land behind them, three hit them again, moonsault again, land behind them again. I, it was nutty. It reminded me of King in Tekken. You remember King, the tiger head dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he did a lot of moonsaults too. It, it, uh, for me, it was, let me feel like a ninja. And I also think the dude from Ninja Gaiden also did a did a mean moonsault. But huge fan of that. Sad to hear you guys didn't
2: didn't exploit that little. I was, I was like taking full line control of the uh, side rolling action. Oh, man. Yes. I was at that quite a bit. I felt like I could kind of just get out quick enough. Quick like. Oh, yeah. See ya. <laughs> kind of situation was <laughs> happening. And yes. it, it, it really helped me in a lot of situations, especially like I felt like, like when I did the moonsault. I was like, if I do this now, I am absolutely getting caught straight away. So I just kind of stuck to my side rolling. Made sense and it it really helped. But like, do you know? I actually looked up afterwards uh, at people who like just religiously play this game every day, and um, some people are just outrageous at the moves. Do you know? Oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it's just crazy how some people can get at a game like that with what you can do, and it's um. It's pretty amazing. So yeah. But you guys, you you did do the double tap
1: forwards on X though, right? Cuz you kind of have to do that. You know the like the long yeah, yeah. jump. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool Yeah, cool,
2: cool, yeah, cool. yeah. And I actually always loved the kind of um the sound, the kind of the, it was this really atmospheric like swoosh yeah. that would always happen. You were like, "Oh, that's very fancy." It's like a it's like a kung fu movie swoosh, which in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, it was like very elegant.
0: One thing that I found relatively elegant, despite its clunkiness. It's a weird one. I, I'm going to try and articulate my thoughts on this. But the sword play, because, you know, we've spoken a lot about being sneaky and trying to avoid combat or the stealth executions, which are the one hit from behind and, you know, the person is dead on the ground. But the... Head-on combat, it's important to note, I suppose, that the game doesn't, it doesn't want you to engage in head-on combat because whilst, yes, one stab of the knife from behind and the enemy is dead, but that exact same enemy might take six, seven, eight maybe swipes of a sword (laughs) from the front. So, yeah, the game doesn't want you to take baddies head-on. And I must add the limitations of the controller and the system the game is on it's all still prevalent combat is a bit stiff but I do still really love the variety in the sword play mm, because yeah again it's all based around talk about the system it's on like this didn't use analog controls yeah yeah so it's all based around the d-pad and the square button and that's it. Like, you, you have your mega murder combo, just square, 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 and that's slow, and it leaves your character open because it commits your character to that action, but it's still super effective. You've up, up, square, which is a forward stab. Oh, I love that. A j- jab, and, and, and that also, as well as, you know, for enemies in front of you, it helps you gain ground as well. And then you've swipes to the right or swipes to the left. And honestly, even as I'm saying it, it sounds very simplistic because because it is. But it's also very satisfying. Mm. You can't just mash the square button and expect to take out enemies. It's just not going to happen. You have to implement some form of strategy. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: One thing that does throw this out is when you have more than one enemy around you, I feel the, the stiff controls become far more difficult to get around mm. when, when that happens but one on one I think it's again simplistic awkward but still quite enjoyable and actually one thing I did want to mention was that I really wish I'd learned how to block earlier than I did. Yeah, I was going to was going to bring this up
1: because the block is really good. But uh, yeah, when did you learn? <laughs> when did you learn the block then? How far were you?
0: <laughs> well, I had noticed that my character had blocked a, a handful of times. Right. But I was like, Ricky Maru, I don't know what you're doing, but thanks for that. Because I don't know how I did that. Excellent. Excellent. It was part of the way through the third mission. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say like, it's the final boss. Is when That's when you learned.
0: <laughs> the third mission, it's the one that takes place partly in a jungle environment and partly in underground caves. But I realised that <laughs> in this mission that pressing down on the D-pad when an enemy is attacking you from the front would block an attack. Not a very... Extravagant blocking system, but I feel it goes back to that wider problem around the game of not telling you how to do fucking anything. Yeah. <laughs> but still, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the kind of again for all its faults, I enjoyed the the sword play, like when when it all starts to click, you know. Also. I don't
1: know how much we could or should criticise this, right? Because I know that Metal Gear Solid was really ahead of the curve on this one, but there was a time when a a changeover happened in sort of 2000... I I feel like it was in the 2000s where they realised that no one was doing booklets anymore. And you know when tutorials properly started to be in the game, like every game Mm. basically started to go... Movement is this. It wasn't even a separate... You know, mode in the menu. It was just when you began a game, it would tell you the controls. That wasn't really a thing. I feel like Metal Gear was ahead of the curve on that one. So, I and with with Tenchu, is it fair to say that that was at a time when they bloody well expected you to read the goddamn book? Or is that is that maybe is this is this us being a little unfair because it's twenty twenty three? Or
2: is it just do you think it just should be in the game that stuff? It's well, it, sh- it should be in the game, like, and I think that's just. I don't think they, I don't know, like that training level is a, is a starting point where you kind of go, <laughs> look. If you have a mode
1: called training, you bloody well
2: expect to get yeah, some like training. Yeah, like I <laughs> expect to be told like how to how to block.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like I
2: actually think in that training level, like I think you start and you go forward and you have to hang off a ledge to pull yourself up to an enemy. And I remember I just started, came forward and I was like, how, how, do, how do I grab the ledge? How do I grab the ledge? <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. So, yeah. Rough. Do you know, actually, I just want to know there, like, do we all play as Ricky Maru? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I, I I did as well, right? Now, I can't remember the name of uh, the other character. Oh, yeah, man. Okay. Is there, I, I should have checked this up out, but is there, like, different combo inputs slash different
1: story yeah she does she does a she does a like a four hit combo the i think the main thing is uh rikimaru can take more damage and deals more damage but ayame is quicker uh but can take less damage and her attacks are a little bit different as i say definitely a four hit combo with the blades okay but um and yeah minor story differences like uh different dialogue in cutscenes and the ending i guess would would be possibly different, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, true.
0: But yeah, for the most part, you know, you, you go through the same levels, you fight the same bosses and some of those bosses, Adam, they were scary, weren't they? You poor misfortune. Oh, they
2: were so spooky, column Spooky, spooky. Uh, look, let's be honest, when you got to a boss and you were kind of going, oh Jesus, and you know the score, definitely know, this is it. Um, I think as the game progresses, you see, like I... I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think your character can have a maximum level, like health bar of 100. Mm-hmm. And I think then as you go on, every new boss is like, it's like 100 starting off, then one, 140, then 150, then yeah, 160. Yeah. And it goes up and up and up as it goes on. And like, it was level three, I think it was. And I think the mission was, uh, it was called, the mission was called Rescue the Captive Ninja. And the boss in that was like, come on, like this is level three. Oh, it was Nolan, Goo, you know? wasn't it?
1: With the, with the bear. It was with- Goo and the bear. <laughs>
2: yeah, goo yeah. was more than enough. <laughs> like more than enough. Like, like the bear happened and I was just like, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. I don't like this at all. No. Uh, like, and then it wasn't even that. Like, but I got past that after, after a few times. Right? Then mission four starts you off with a boss and ends with a boss. Oh yeah I was like, my mind is blown at like it's like they just want me to fail um, <laughs> and then we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll move up we'll, we'll get to the to, to the last boss later, but like um very challenging. expected, I know it is it is expected, but um, do you know, it was just like <laughs> once again those those problems and me not being very good at the game. I was panicking massively, mm. but uh, so but like, you know? Quite, quite good. Like when you when you really like when you really started, like as you were talking about the the different controls and stuff like that, and the techniques, like you really do have to use them. Mm. Like I'm sure you, w- once you read the whole thing and play the game numerous times, you you're like, whatever, I can I can get through this my blindfolded. But like, you do really have to figure it out and read the the boss and stuff and uh, once again just another kind of from software thing yeah yeah crazy hard at times though and I think I think more so just because I was afraid to die because I like, starting the game uh, they're starting the mission again that's kind of really is that
0: was yeah that was always the fear when you come across a boss was that you're going to have to go through the entirety of the level again but exactly but clever Josh Wise had a way to circumvent that though oh my word back to the items again
1: chaps back to Mm. the items the grenades are unreal business (laughs) they are they it it, ridiculous I mean Goo and the Bear fuck them absolutely not (laughs) I (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I hear what you're saying, because that's a frustrating fight, because the bear, it's all angles, and it runs around. And and actually, I'll tell you what, uh, I didn't kill the bear. I was happy with that. I was like, the bear doesn't know what's going on. What? Yeah, you know, you don't actually have to kill the bear. You can just kill Goo, and the bear is just there. He's just chilling. But I was like, that's cruelty to animals. I had no idea. Yeah, you don't have to kill the bear. Anyway, uh, the grenades are fan- just fantastic stuff. Um, you You lob them, and I think... I could never actually tell if it was always a timer on the little fuse or if it hit them, it would blow up because they would just come towards it. Great graphics on the explosion, but just massive, massive damage to those fuckers. So I would throw a grenade, do the old backwards somersault away from the blast area. Of course it was. Yeah, 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 big time. (laughs) Uh, And that was the end of that fucking chapter. And I used the grenades for like two or three of the bastards. So it was was good stuff. But here's
2: the thing though, though. Let's be honest here, right? Like... Ricky Marrow heads off there to ninja school for himself, okay? Right, yeah. And he's there, and he's getting taught the lay of the land. He's getting shown everything. Mm. And you mean to tell me then that he just went look? To be honest, though, look, if you if you don't get it, that here's a couple of grenades.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: sometimes <laughs> can't Sometimes ninja stuff doesn't work out. Outrageous <laughs> that this stealth ninja all of a sudden just goes grenades way. Yeah. <laughs> <He's like, laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Turns into fucking Tom Clancy or something like that you know like what's going on with the grenades? But like I never used them what? but now I wish I actually did.
0: Oh they're they're fantastic and as Josh said vital for some of those boss fights. But I was afraid they were going to cause,
1: like, a stir. Oh, no, I mean, it was only for the boss fights, yeah. Like, I wouldn't use the grenades, just knocking about it. Does it alert the enemies? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be using grenades
2: in normal... but it's uh, yeah, I see. It's, yeah. Nah. Nah. I would have preferred a Gatling gun or something like that, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One thing I know you enjoyed, Adam, maybe if even if the bosses scared you, were those cinematic kills.
2: Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. You kind of touched upon it earlier on, column. They're absolutely glorious. Uh, they're just, they just really are just kind of like um the the manga Lone Wolf and Cub slash movies. I think they're just that over the top, just blood, just the, the sound of it. It's just like, just it's just this gush and <laughs> vibrant red comes out. And like, sometimes you just, you can get like, like, just decapitate a head and just, like, an arm or something. And it's just this, like, hilarious animation. But uh, that's where the age bracket comes into, into play, really. Like, you know, it is like, you know, the 18s is, at that time, that was really violent.
1: It, it reminded me of, like, old samurai movies where they had the weird yeah. foleys. And it was like, the, it doesn't actually sound like blood really sounds, but it sounds like those movies,
0: you know? I was well impressed when we're talking about the blood. I was well impressed with the fact that the blood drips down the walls unreal yeah. isn't it
1: yeah oh. and and just the stain that, that stays on the floor as well at that time it was kind of a big thing in games i seem to remember where if bodies stayed where they were that was fucking amazing um, you know like after you killed someone like if they didn't disappear and like the blood stains just hang around that's that's impressive stuff
0: it is. Actually, that's one you talk about the bodies, that's one thing we didn't talk about when discussing the stealth. So just very quickly, you can't hide bodies. No. Which, not, not ideal when you're trying to sneak around, I guess. <laughs> um, but again, comparison, Metal your Solid, blah, 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 blah. I want to talk about our most favourite, least favourite. Let's see, let's discuss. But the most noteworthy levels in the game according to us. Josh, why don't you start us off? What was the level that stood out to
1: you? The one that really got me was, I think it's level five and it's, uh, in full. Oh, actually, do we count the training as like, as one of the levels? Cause that, is there 10 levels in this game or 11? Even though it's effectively separate, it kind like of... It's like a level. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd say, like, I guess level six then, really. But, um, yeah, Infiltrate the Manji Cult uh, was, was one that, that sort of stood out to me because, well, for a couple of reasons. Um, it's, it was the first level. One of the things is kind of bad because it's the point at which the sort of game turns into a real supernatural uh, vibe, which I, I guess we'll kind of get to in a bit. It kind of annoys me when it does that, but because I quite like some of the other stuff. But one of the reasons it's noteworthy is that it's really, really creepy. And it's the first, and I think maybe the only level in the game that actually has a really creepy energy to The, the music, Yeah, I thought was just, I mean, the music throughout is phenomenal, but particularly in this, when there's like sitar going on and just this really deep sort of primal percussion. You're just you're just sort of going through it, like, fucking hell. And, like, the audio design, there's just design that just sounds like crying babies on the soundtrack. And I was just yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck is this? This is serious shit. Like, uh, really unnerving, even now, which kind of combines with what we would do. Uh, I think it's a good point. Uh, I think you were saying earlier, column the comparison to Silent Hill <clears throat> really sort of struck me, because... Whilst I know that the draw distance, you know, has its foibles and it can be annoying. And, and and fair enough, I totally see that. But it is good when it's sort of tied into one of the ideas in the game. Like in Silent Hill, they could quite handy because they could say, oh, well, yeah, but the town's bloody foggy. So that's, that's why that is. And this, the whole idea that it's night, it's darkness all the time. When things fade into view in this particular level, creepy as shit. And if you've played... Um, Uh, Sekiro, then for me, this was like a clear, uh, point at which From Software must have taken inspiration from the Senpu Temple monks in Sekiro because- 100%. Did you note that as well? Because you go up to the temple in Sekiro and it's autumnal and there's like brown leaves on the floor exactly like there is here Mm. and you're going up this mountain and one of the first creatures that sort of fades into view from the darkness because you basically you learn about there's this cult that I think is controlling people's minds which is actually weirdly similar to the Senpu monks in Sekiro but you see this weird figure kind of come out of the darkness. And I think it's meant to be a monk or at least a person that's being controlled by these the cult of monks. And they're kind of doing this freaky little dance. And the animation's this really unnerving <laughs> fucking... And actually, it sort of popped up in Elden Ring as well because you get the dancing people up on the... Um, it's like a, a village where you get this, like, creepy people just dancing at you. It's, and for, yeah. for me, I was like, number one... This is amazing because I would never have made the the explicit connection between this and Sekiro, but there's so much connective tissue there. Number two, I didn't know that this game could sort of segue so easily and sort of fluidly into being a kind of horror for a level. Um, And then number three, maybe, I know we always say this is like the noteworthy level or area. It's not necessarily good or bad, but it does also sadly mark the point for me where it's like, no longer you're doing regular workaday day ninja stuff. Now it starts to be kind of about the fantastical. Um, so it's sort of it, in my head, I was like, this is, this is really cool in its own way, but it, it's also the point at which the game goes a little bit outside of where I think it's best. Uh, but yeah, what 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 did you guys make of the of the Manji cult?
0: Yeah, I, I noted those crying baby noises as well. And <laughs> they were, well, because essentially that boss that you fight takes place in front of a big statue of a baby. Mm. So that's where those baby noises come in. I don't know if the statue <laughs> itself is crying. But yeah, I think the when you say the halfway point because level like I'll talk about in a second, but the level after that was the one that I enjoyed, and that i th- I still think retains some of the ninja elements rather than going down the paranormal route but but it is true like once they introduced the supernatural stuff, I was also a little bit i don't know because essentially there are these half naked. They're almost like Ali McBeal dancing babies, (laughs) Um, and they sort of shuffle over to you and start breathing fire. And I was like, what's, what's
1: this, what's going on here? And you know, it is a shame because at least with Sekiro, you can, you can sort of say, well, it's, it's from software and it's set in the same time. It's set during the Sengoku period, sort of 16th century. And, and you could sort of say, well, you know, from software, they've always, it's always been fantasy <clears throat> and it's a kind of, it's a period of history that's far enough back so that it very often gets portrayed as being kind of tangled up in myths and mythology and, mm-hmm. it, it you know, but it is. It is a shame, and I, we can talk about the level because I think the level that you, I actually forgot that, that that the level you're referencing actually do, I think it does happen after the cult level, yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, I I possibly agree with you. That might be my my favourite level, but I thought I thought I'd pick this one for those reasons because it does just for me. It's, th- it's those clear two things. It's going about doing cool ninja stuff. And then all of a sudden when fellas are breathing fire at me, I'm going, oh, did we need to go
0: all nutty? Because it was really cool and we're just doing regular stuff. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But yeah, my favourite level was the fifth level, or if we're including the training, the sixth level, which was called Execute the Corrupt Minister. And the couple of reasons why I enjoyed this The first one I wanted to talk about was the fact that, and remember, this is basically halfway through the game. I felt like it was all coming together. (laughs) I felt like I'd gotten it. You know, I'd, I'd learned how to properly block as documented earlier on this podcast. I was swiping left and right like nobody's business. I'd gotten the hang of the key meter, I felt you know, and I say all those things, still limitations, blah, 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 blah. But I felt like I'd learned how to play Tenshu self-assassins, which was handy <laughs> uh, for this podcast. And it it was a glorious stage for it all to click because while the setup is similar to a lot of Tenchu's other levels, you start on the outside of a fortress with patrolling guards all inside and you have to grapple to the rooftops and attempt to try and find your goal by snooping around as best as you can. This one has snow. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, and an incredible soundtrack, but again we'll talk about the music later. But visually, the the coldness and the dead of night makes this level stand out. Oh, it was so so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh. We we spoke about the draw distance and the blackness of night, but another thing to note is that By this point, I felt the tension was starting to feel a bit samey. Because, as I said, it's yeah, you begin a level outside a fortress and you know, rooftops and everything looks a bit similar. But despite that, this place where the fifth level takes place, I don't know, there's something about the snowfall that makes it almost peaceful. Mm. The rooftops are caked in this semi transparent white, and there's a constant trickle of snowflakes, and it's it's just it's an absolute picture. Like it
1: really re- really is. And you've also you've got the little bamboo uh things off to the one side near the cliff. There, it really it reminds me of. It's got that vibe of you know in like the first Kill Bill when the bride fights Oren Ishi in that snowy garden. And it's like it's all it's falling down, and you've got the little the little bamboo trees nearby. It, it sort of evoked those vibes for me. Just sort of amazing graphics as well. They're like the, uh, the, the graphics on the snow. That's got to be some of the best like PS1 snow you've ever seen. Right? I, I really, yeah, <laughs> the
0: snowfall looks fantastic. It, re- it really does. They worked wonders in that. I enjoyed the structure of the mission too. It felt different again because your ultimate goal is to find Lord God as, fi- they're referred to as Lord God finance minister. Mm. I guess the finance minister of Lord Goda's, of, of the Goda's sort of province. Uh, yeah. The province. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, you have to find them and make sure that he doesn't live past your meeting. But you have to first locate his bodyguard, who happens to be in the top right of the map, I think. Mm. Uh, and once you do that, then it's off to find Minister Kataoka. And that death is exquisite. I'm going to talk about the voice acting quite a bit later on when we discuss the story. But this (laughs) death scene is no joke, being completely sincere, fantastic. Like, Kataoka has to die by honour. Like, once you meet him, uh, he says, all right, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to take my own life, essentially. He stabs himself in the heart and then Ricky Maru helps him along by beheading him. Mm. It's magnificent and it's something that I wanted to uh, capture the audio of it and play it for our listeners and yourselves as well, lads. So, yeah, here is the audio of Minister Kataoka's death.
2: Minister
4: Kataoka, you have brought great shame on yourself. I never expected Lord Goda to catch me. Kill yourself and show me you still have some honour. I will assist you. Yes, thank you. Tell Lord Goda of how I died.
1: I will inform Lord Goda of your honorable end.
0: Now this is in stark contrast to Ayame's interaction with him. Because we mentioned that there are differences. Now, we all played the game as Ricky Maru. But when you're playing as Ayame, you actually have to fight him in like a proper... Like he's just a proper boss fight. Here is the audio from that. Just listen to the contrast.
3: Lord Goda trusted you. How could you betray him?
4: I may have made mistakes, but I allow no women to score me like that. You shall die by my arrows. Your arrows are like you, weak and twisted. I fear them, not... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fear them, not... Well, that, quite a
1: different tone. Uh, quite, quite different. Yeah, yeah. Some real... I don't think people talked like that in the 16th century in Japan. I don't think they said not after saying something.
0: But I might be wrong. Who knows? They don't. They don't do it in 2023. either. it is a very 90s tune. It's a very uh, 90s tune.
1: Yeah, not <laughs> psych.
3: And
0: then, and then, funnily enough, actually, after you kill Minister Katooka, as I am, you do the Bartman. It's incredible. But Adam, I know you had a different. Well, I was going to say favorite, maybe favorite, but yeah, the, the level that's stood out to you. So do do tell.
2: I would be going for the fourth level, which was called Cross the Checkpoint. And I think the reason this would stand out the most to me is because I think when it started, a couple of minutes into it anyway, it just felt like everything was all of a sudden like upt, Like everything was just like the scope and scale in this level is a little bit bigger than the previous ones. There's a lot more enemies. There's a lot more kind of stuff to get around, like traverse around. And um, like such as the towers and things like that, which was also the starting point of when I started to realize how good the grappling hook was, because I was like, well, Jesus, this is brilliant. This doesn't just go everywhere. Um, it was where I started to get used to kind of the controls a bit more, started using the side roll quite a lot. But then like the level, like as you were stating, column, like, you know, yes, it can feel like Tentu is getting a bit samey. Uh, because of all the rooftops and stuff like that but like in in this level in particular there's a lot of like just up and down there's a lot of up and down and mm. there's a lot more of like hiding kind of like on very low ledges with the enemy right there above you and stuff mm-hmm. like that I felt I like all the levels before that were there was a lot of just like lean against the wall hang off this ledge wait for him to come along and that kind of stuff was happening so in this one I just thought there was a a lot more I spent a long time actually on this on this mission in particular because like I've just I I had no idea where I was going. I was like, Jesus, this <laughs> is massive. But then, like as I said earlier, it was the first time they kind of really brought in the whole like two boss thing, and mm-hmm. that kind of was just like it just blew my mind as well. I was like, Oh God, like is this is this is this what's going to happen here? So um, I just think that was that was the real kind of like I I I think really the the levels he picked. Are are definitely more stand out. I feel, mm. but I just thought for myself that one was just like okay. I'm I'm getting this. I'm getting this. I'm getting the hang of this now and a bit more patient. And I I liked that it was just as I said a bit more open, and I felt like I just kind of had room to breathe. I guess. Um, like Josh, in your level, there's a particular like that boss. We'll discuss him later. Mm. But I have to say, I have to say call him your your one in particular with the snowy setting was. It's definitely the ultimate kind of like, oh, cool! Yeah. yeah For a lot yeah. of people, I'd say the three levels we picked out would be kind of the ones a lot of people would choose in out of the ten.
0: To your point, Josh, it does become just a tad bit supernatural after that fact. Yeah. I mean, all culminating, of course, in in the final boss. But look. Let's take a quick break before we get into the voice acting and the story and all that, because I feel like there will be quite a discussion to be had. So yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be back right after this nice little musical interlude. Right then, let's get into the story of Tenshu Stealth Assassins. I gave you a bit of a synopsis. But, Josh, why don't you start us off? What did you think of the story?
1: Now, I'd say that the story is nothing much. Uh, I, it's, you know, it's completely serviceable. You're Ricky Maru. You're doing stuff for Lord Goda. Lord Mayo, uh... Rolls along, which, by the way, I kept laughing at because of Simon Mayo on BBC Radio Five Live. I kept thinking of Lord Mayo as like a sort of evil version of Simon Mayo, so that took a lot of the tension, you know.
0: Was Onikage a Marcomode type? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Onikage and Mayo, classic. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I, it's a, it's a weird one. The story was basically paper thin. There's, you know, there's nothing much going on. The whole thing with Princess Kiku later on is just a complete like, what? Why do I care about? Okay. She's Goda's daughter, but fine. But what I do like about it is that that is what I want from a ninja thing. I don't want uh, it to be super, yeah, guy's a hero, he's doing this, he's doing that, there's the villain. Like, for me, that stuff goes out the window when you're a ninja. And like, to, as you were sort of saying, you know, this was, at least for a half of it, a proper ninja experience. And I'm loving just uh there's a merchant and we don't like him for various reasons uh it's the first mission of the game in fact which which is wants to, remains one of the best missions in the game i think um go and kill him please uh you're a ninja and you work for me so go and kill him uh, and that's great and like oh there's a minister yeah, he's a corrupt finance minister you know it's that thing where it's like sort of loose politicking in 16th century you know japan and it's like this is really cool this is this sort of shit is what they possibly would have been doing i i have to go or that the the mission was it Adam's mission or possibly another one where all you need to do is just deliver a message just running from one place to another yeah that to me that work a day ninja stuff that ninjas would get up to on a tuesday is <laughs> the best. that's where Tenshu's fucking sweet um and you know they 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 do developers do often feel that pressure. It, it happens in, um, they, they did well in stuff like Uncharted 4 when they made the decision not to just go nutty at the end with it, you know, because all the Uncharted's do it, all the Tomb Raiders do it. And you sort of wish like, just once in a while, it'd be cool if you guys just played this one straight, if this was just a normal thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual story, it ain't nothing much,
0: but that's when it's at its
1: best for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair the story is very loose. Your ultimate goal forms very late on as not to go over everything you said, but yeah, Lord Mayo comes in just before you go to see Lord Mayo. (laughs) You have to save Goda's daughter and you're like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Do you know what? It's similar to Hitman in that you have a job, that's your job, do it, go home. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, come in again we have you delivering a message and then the next day you have to take down a pirate what's wrong with that it's very loose it is like it's not terribly compelling but i think that when it is doing that it is at its best yes i agree mm. adam i think you were kind of similar
2: weren't you <laughs> i found it next to impossible to give any sort of shit about us <laughs> <laughs> i i just like do you know like it's it's just one of those things isn't it where you're just kinda of going, mm-hmm, okay, I don't care. I just don't care. I know what you're doing. I I know where this is going. I this is the blueprint. Fine. Um look, let's put it this way, right? There is maybe if there was some sort of um cinematic cutscenes to draw me in a bit a bit more, then I'd be kinda of like, Alright, cool, whatever. But I think personally, as bananas as the supernatural side of it is, that's where I kind of went, look. I'm kind of back in with it, kind of going, what's this about? What's going on here? I suppose I'll roll with this because prior to all this, Mm. I'm just doing this and I'm just saving somebody. And I'm kind of like, whatever, like, you know, like, and I don't, I'm not trying to say that and make it sound like, like it's lazy, but it's, it's so basic. Mm. And like, even down to every time every mission starts and you get that little bit of narration or whatever from the guy, like, you're just kind of going, uh, uh, all right, okay. That's all I ever kept saying to myself was, Grant, fair enough." And then when the supernatural thing kicked in, I was like, "What's happening?" And I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have fun now. Like, this is, this is, this is funny." Are you
0: meant to find it funny though?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But we're playing it today, and that's it is funny, and we'll we'll get to why it's funny. But I like, mean, oh, I did hundred percent. But like, I'm just saying that like, if I was to sit one on one with I do not. Maybe look. I'm sitting. I'm sitting with you right now. Well, not with you, but like we're talking about this story. If one of you lads was like, "But you know, like I was, I was, I was really hit hit in the fields when ba 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 happened." <laughs> it it doesn't do that. It does nothing like that. So the game is so it's so serious in ways that it's impossible to take serious. And you
1: sort of actually perked up when it sort of got a bit nutty and super nice. I actually sort of brought you into it a bit more.
2: Yeah, because that because that's like it has to be one or the other in a sense, really, because mm. you, you it almost feels like them themselves developing the game was just like we, we should do this cuz it's wild and it's weird and it's wacky and people will talk about this and we will. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't, I don't think the game, it, it, its story is deep enough to just be saved this person because it's it's going quite quickly and it's it's focusing so strongly on the gameplay itself that I th- I really do think it's one of those games that the story kind of is 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 in the back,
1: mm, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And
2: they throw out they throw out these kind of cliches and that's the thing. So yeah, I, I, it's it's just one of those things that like I can't really find. Um, Care for it, let's put it that way.
0: one thing that isn't in the back though, my word, the voice acting
2: <laughs> oh no <laughs> wow
0: wowzers, wowzers and, and uh, just, just
2: before you go on Columbus, like to talk when we talk about this voice acting, this is also a problem with why you cannot take this. The story oh, I mean, I mean, like,
3: well,
2: <laughs> yes! Yeah. Yes. Like, come on, like, like
0: when when I when I first heard, even when you start the training mission, when I first heard the first lines come out of a character, I just went like double take, like the pigeons in that Roger Moore um, yeah, James Bond, Bond like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I did a little bit of research on this because I wanted to try and find out. And I think I have. So, from my research, I don't believe this is an example of native English speakers putting on Japanese accents. Mm, mm. I, be- I believe all, or, or well, not a majority of the voice actors are Japanese. Because Ricky Maru's actor is a man by the name of Paul Lucas, and I think think he's English. I'm not 100%, so I, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Huh. Uh, but for my money, he's he's probably the best. He's stoic, but emotes when necessary. It's not blow away, you know, again, like the story, but I think it's effective. I think it's effective.
1: And he doesn't try for a, for an accent either. He sort of plays yes. it relatively. He doesn't try for, for a kind of Jap- pseudo-Japanese pseudo, uh, accent. So that's nice.
0: I'm pretty sure what we have here is a bunch of Japanese actors speaking in English. Mm. However, with all that said, I'm not going to follow that up with some sort of praise or anything because it's <laughs> God awful. It's terrible. Especially
1: your favourite mission. I almost screamed. when the, the mission where you have to kill the corrupt finance minister. Mm-hmm. The conversation that the finance minister has in the cutscene before with that other person who's trying to bribe them, and that person does the voice, I had, to, I had to call my flatmate into the room just so that they could experience that other person's voice. I don't know if you remember that. They sort of do a kind of goblin-style voice. It's a very weird vibe that they go
0: for on that. Oh, Josh, I remember it. Would you like to relive us? Oh, my God, yes.
4: Have a listen to this. What is this, Bizinia? There is more here than usual. We could not do business without you. (laughs) The money is merely a token of our appreciation. I like the way you think. What can I help you with today? We have put in bids for the
3: construction work next month. If you could
4: only... Leave it to me. But remember what happened to Etigoya. Tread carefully.
3: <coughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, that is the beginning of level five. Yes, my favorite level that I spoke about. And that was a conversation between Kataoka and the goblin was Bisenia. a man yeah. by the name of Bizenia. Yeah. And you, you heard the kind of dodgy dealings happening there. What's going on there?
1: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's up there with Resident Evil, you know, those early Resident Evils. I mean, it maybe even surpasses them for the madness. It does surpass them for the madness because like,
2: like they're really going for <laughs> it, like, you know, yeah. they're re- yeah. they really are going for it, you know, and like words are dragged and everything and
0: it's... Yes, words are dragged and I I should mention that clip that I played, I actually, in the interest of time, I edited that because the queuing of lines is appalling. You just get these long pregnant pauses in these exchanges between characters and it's just so odd.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's
0: bizarre, but it's also,
1: and I know I said, I know I said something similar in the, um, in the episode where we all talked about uh, remothered, uh, broken fathers, tormented fathers. Sorry, uh, where the shitness of it, it's it is funny, but it also ties into that natural pulpy shitness that you get with the, jo- you know, you watch a really old Kung Fu movie and of course so much is changed in translation or, or poor, poor dubbing or something. And it is that sort of, you're sitting around with your friends and it is really funny, but it, I saw, I can't bring myself to sort of like hate it or I know it's really silly. I, I,
0: I get what you're saying. I, mm. I, I think in comparison to remodeled, like I think this fits better. It's still terrible and it's but, it's, <laughs> yeah. but the, there, there's way more, I don't know, I found this funnier. Like I have another clip here. It oh, is yeah. a, a much shorter one. This is eight seconds of the third stage's boss uh, where you get to meet goo. What you're going to hear at the start, it sounds like a massive burp, but that's the growl <laughs> of the bear that we mentioned earlier. So yeah, this is this is a bit of goo. Oh,
3: the mice come out to play. That means goo get to play too. Even the
0: script is like, I get, I know what you say, Josh, like it's, it's when a game is localized, some things will be lost in translation. Of course. It's yeah. bad, but I, I do also like, I find it funny.
1: It's lovably bad. It's, 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 it's so surreally bad. You sort of can't help but adore it in some pathetic way. It's
0: surreal how bad it is. And there's one that you asked for me to include, Adam. This was, uh, uh, again, maybe maybe uh, a sibling of goo. But this is the boss at the end of the sixth level. Oh, the mangy cult. This is mad.
4: I know what you want. You want a stone. It's safe inside my belly. You're not going to get
3: it. <laughs> what? like, I'm, I'm
2: sorry, but I think, and I mean this now, I don't know what this says about the game, but that is what I'll forever remember Tenchu far. Like, the way he delivers stoon. That that is
1: top stuff, isn't it? It is wild. I know it's bad, right? But was I the only one where, at least at the beginning, it's actually quite freaky? I think it helps that level is freaky. But the vocal performance at the beginning has a genuinely eerie, like, oh, God, what is this person going for? And then with the laugh at the end, I just erupt. I just can't keep it together, but yeah. (laughs)
3: belly.
0: One final note on the story was an interesting thing that you put in our little document here, Josh, was the idea that the game doesn't allow you to be a prick.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm, yeah, and I think I, I probably, if listeners to Stealth Boom Boom will probably get tired of me because I'll I'll forget what I've said before on Stealth Boom Boom and end up saying it again. But there is a trend in games and it happened in all things. It happened in Hitman, and it still annoys me. And nobody really talked about it. The original premise is: you're a ninja. You know, you're a hitman. You got to go and kill people. You're not a nice fella. Fundamentally, <laughs> you're not doing good stuff. Um, and the whole well, we can't just have them playing as an out and out baddie. You know, it's like if you play the recent Hitman games. Actually, he's a Sort of a James Bond type, really, and the people that yeah. he are killing are basically supervillains. It's like, well, hang on. You know, that's not what this was. And with, with Tenshu, it's like, it starts out and you just you're just a bastard with a sword. And you just go, yep, yeah, go and kill people. That's what they did. But it's the whole Oh, you know, live by honour, kill by stealth. Well, killing by stealth, you know, fundamentally isn't honourable. And that's the whole thing. Like, they weren't samurai. It was actually really interestingly explored, I thought, in Ghost of Tsushima, because you fundamentally have something where it's like, samurai are really honourable, ninja are not. That's not who they were. They were spies. They were uh, assassins. They were far from honourable. And that whole... You know, they 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 killed people in cold blood. They killed whoever they were whoever they were commanded to kill. You know, by their retainer, by their sort of feudal lord. And I just kind of thought, oh, it's it's sad that Tenchu feels the need to do that. You know, it's like oh, and Ricky Marrow always gives it that oh, well, at least you died with honor and stuff. It's like you've just cut five people's throats and another fella. You gave him the shits, chronic, because you gave him some poison rice, and then you chopped his <laughs> head off. So it's like, well, that's that's it's a little, you know, Ludo narrative dissonance to use that hoary old phrase. But it's yeah, it's just like embrace it. Let me, I'm I'm history's prick, and that's cool for at least one game. We're a hero in like every game. Like just let me be a bastard once, you know. I remember early Hitman, first mission of Blood Money. It's that dude where he where he just he, he ran a carnival and one of the rides broke and some people died. And one of the parents of the people that died ask you to kill the fella. And it's like, it's grim. The guy's like, life's fallen apart. And all you have to do is go there and kill him. And he's like, oh God, my whole, you know, and you, you know, when you play that game, you're like, I'm the bad guy. And then you play Hitman three and it's like, jump off a skyscraper in Dubai and and take down a criminal syndicate. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I get on one about that. I apologise.
0: Well, I look forward to talking about Hitman 3. But before we do, have you anything else to add, lads? Any sort of miscellaneous thoughts on the game? Um, I think,
2: for me, I'd love to see a full-on remake of it. I think it's deserving and I, I feel it would work. And I, I think it would still stand like that hardcore like i know you could say like ninja gaiden and stuff like exists out there but like there's a legacy behind this game and i think it deserves because if i'm right i feel like the 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 other the other games of the tenchu series are pretty well received i actually would love to give them a shot as well but um oh
0: we will there are 11 or something
2: holy <laughs> smokes is there there are maybe um, 11 is a bit strong but there's 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 a, there's a good few but you know what just just it would be really cool, like, you know, to, to come out now on, on today's gen consoles and just be like, bang. I don't know who you'd want to make it. I know, like, I'm, I've been banging about from software, but I wouldn't actually want them to do it. Well, it
1: would be Sekiro, wouldn't it? They kind of did. It's really weird. Like, even down to the Supernatural stuff, like, Sekiro kind of is weirdly what Tenchu turned into. But I, I agree. I think it's a great point. Like, <clears throat> if you gave me a ground-up remake... With like Tenchu One, Tenchu Two, maybe Wrath of Heaven on the like a trilogy or something, I'd eat that up because <clears throat> it's weird how we don't. Uh, you you sort of t- touch on Ninja Gaiden as well. Like it's weird when you think of ninjas because much like zombies in video games, you sort of think to yourself, are oh, ninjas oh are yeah, done to death." Actually, no. Weirdly undernourished genre. That, in fact, sort of only Tenshu really. Like Ninja Gaiden is just a full-on action game, like a full-on Devil May Cry style thing. And then what else is there? Like Shinobi. How dare you? <laughs> Shinobi. Joe <laughs>
2: Musashi has called, and he wants some recognition. Thank you very much. Here, here is one for you. And I think you were tying to Josh's whole. uh wanting to be just a bit of an asshole ninja, I, if Soccer Punch did it. Oh, The Soccer yes. Punches went off and did it and did their whole infamous thing again and just was like, look, be good, be bad, do what you like, happy days. And with their success off Ghost of Tsushima and stuff, and because that, that's the type of game I feel like the difficulty should stay. Uh, it should be still that challenging, but I wouldn't want it to be like so done up that it's, you are literally flying everywhere. I I, I wouldn't want that. It, it would still need to be grounded, you know? And like, the, you know,
1: those bits in Ghost of Tsushima where you are, where you do have to go ninja and he, he goes, you know, kind of sneaky and he wears the black. That kind of is a little sneak preview of what Sucker Punch could yeah. do if they properly went, yeah, do you know what? We're doing a full on, you know. I know, do you remember Core Design? The, the original Tomb Raider people, they did a thing that was just called Ninja, wasn't it? Was it just called Ninja? And that was kind of one where it's just, it was sort of, I think it's just more of an action game. But yeah, people just drift towards action. They're afraid of going full on ninja.
0: If there is a remake of this, I'd love it to be as focused as this game. It wouldn't be. There would be collectibles. The levels are big enough that there'd probably be side quests. But I wanted to quickly note that I just really like the fact that you have your mission and you do it and that's it. There's no pissing about with yeah, collecting statues or feathers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is just, you do it and you get out. And I, I just, I enjoy that simplicity. Like mm. may, maybe they did that because, you know, it was, I mean, it was a different time anyway, but it was, you know, was it a limitation of the, the console? Yeah, I don't know. I guess like so. I, I don't believe I played any of the other Tenchu, so I would be interested to see if that focus Dissipates as the series goes on, mm. but in this, I really liked it. But yeah, we've ignored the elephant in the room for long enough because it doesn't really fit into any other category. So, Josh, tell us about the music, please.
1: Yeah, I, it, this has got to be one of the best soundtracks to they they whoever. The music is mad. It's madness. It's fully mental. The training mission, like it's like it's the original TV series of Miami Vice for the training with the electric eighties guitar and stuff. I I don't know what was going on over at Acquire, but it it it's the best. Even when it doesn't work like that, you're thinking to yourself. Well, it's an electric guitar from the 80s. That doesn't work. It sort of works. And I don't know why. There are moments when it's amazing, like that thing with the Manji cult, like genuinely sinister. And then there are other, there are other moments where you just think, uh, whatever I'm doing in this level is irrelevant because the music is just, a, just an absolute banger. Like, I just
0: want to listen to the music as it loops. It's phenomenal. And I want to give him his flowers, Noriyuki Asakura was the composer well done it's a fusion of Japanese instrumentation and rock and jazz and it's exceptional and you mentioned it there Josh you hear it straight away in the training level oh my god I was just like what is this (laughs) in a good in the
1: best
3: way possible in the best
1: possible way yeah for sure and also it doesn't age that's the beauty with a good soundtrack graphics age but soundtracks do not well they age in terms of oh you know you don't get that sort of music they age in terms of genre but stuff like this timeless in its madness.
0: Here's a little clip of the training level music. Uh, It's at at the point where you realise you're going to be hearing something very special all the way throughout the game. So have a listen to this. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's genuinely incredible It's, and it's th- joyous Yeah, That's not the only one I have a couple here that I wanted to, to highlight This one is uh, from the first quote-unquote proper level This is the Punish the Evil Merchant level I've edited this slightly so that you can hear Remix As as much of this (laughs) (laughs) Oh DJ Shadow Beat behind (laughs) it But it's the opening bass riff And then it goes into the acoustic guitar It is just exceptional So yeah this is from Punish the Evil Merchant
1: Still got stuff like that. Yeah, just a soundtrack person who was just completely unafraid to 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 say fuck you to whatever the brief was, throw the paper out the window, head into the studio and just go, You'll get it when I give it you. And that's the soundtrack. Because we need to we need that more. we need more bonkers soundtracks in games.
0: Adam, would you like to hear because your favourite level was cross the checkpoint, wasn't it? It was. Would you like to hear the music from that? I would. Some piano, some bass. Uh, some sort of wind instrument. Perfect. Have a listen. Bit of sort of phaser there on a synth as well. Oh.
2: <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like it, it's... Like there's so many elements of even like lounge going on yeah. mm. throughout the soundtrack, and uh there was that like this is not <laughs> this is not like it sounds like a criticism, but there was like I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was one particular piece of music <laughs> that genuinely felt like you know when you pressed the sky menu, <laughs> <laughs> and you got that fucking swoony kind of oh yeah, yeah, are we getting that like you. know? It was one. There was a piece with like that. Like, I remember I was leaning against the wall, in, and I was like,
3: oh, "Listen to this." You also
0: have this kind of epic, very, very filmic track from the level that Isla highlighted. The execute the corrupt minister. Just some very dramatic strings and some beautiful Spanish guitar. Josh, it does feel like he was given a brief and just said, nah, <laughs> there's a yeah. dissonance there, but it marries so well. Mm. And you look, we, we, we've come this far. Uh, one, one more for the road. And I wanted to play this because like everything, it sounds so different as well, but this is what you hear when you finish a level. And it is a joy to hear it because it, it means you've somehow completed your mission, but also you get to listen to this. It's a sitar-infused exclamation of success. It's magnificent. Take a listen to this. think we'll be hard pressed to come across a soundtrack as good mm.
2: as this hearing that music at the end of every mission is better than getting a trophy so true
1: it reminded me of like the savory music in, in in resident evil like that relief that you feel
0: it's like that celebratory oh my god i did it you know
1: yeah big well
0: done big pat on the back again for noriyuki asakura mm.
1: what a hero the real hero of Tenshu.
0: Yes, indeed. (laughs) Live
1: by honour. Compose by stealth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we thought of Tenshu. So, do you know what? Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with a quiz, lads, because I have put the kettle on and I'm going to brew some tea. Every episode of Stealth Boom Boom sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts, Adam Carroll and Josh Wise, with a little quiz I like to call, thanks to Josh Wise, Trivia (laughs) Espionage Action. The quiz consists of questions related to the game we've just discussed. Today, of course, that being Tenchu Stealth Assassins. Each participant gets three questions. Each question has three stages. Stage one. The competitor gets no hints but they get three points if they get the question right here. If they pass, they move on to stage two. They get four multiple choice options for the question and they get two points if they get the question right here. And if they pass again, they move on to stage three. Where those four multiple choice options are halved to two options, and they get one point if they answer correctly here. The competitor has only one chance to submit an answer. If they are incorrect, the question is offered to the other competitor, and if the other competitor answers correctly, they get the points. Are we all clear?
2: Mm hmm. Yes. I'm feeling lucky.
0: Excellent. Then let us begin trivia espionage action. So, Josh Wise, you won the last Trivia Espionage action, so you get to choose. Would you like to go first or second? I will go first this time. Okay. So, question one for Josh Wise for three points. As well as the regular items in the game, which you can select at the beginning of a level, there are 11 items you can unlock by obtaining the Grand Master ranking on each of the game's levels. One of those items is a dog bone. What does the dog bone do when used? Oh,
1: it um, summons a dog, like a, an attack dog that, that aids you, right? Is that your final answer? Uh, yes.
0: So, Josh Wise, you were asked, (laughs) what does the dog bone item do when used? You said Mm -hmm. it summons a dog that attacks (laughs) nearby enemies. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, Josh Wise, that that is... (sighs) the correct answer! Yes! 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 Well done, well done ah. Josh Wise with three points on the board straight away Adam Carly, are you ready for your first question? I am Terrific
2: It is <laughs>
0: <laughs> At the end of each level Intent you stealth assassins Your performance is given a score This score is a combination of the points You accrue throughout the level A number of your actions in the game Have points values attached to them Sometimes those are additions. Sometimes they are deductions. Can you tell me how many points you are deducted when you kill an innocent person? For three points.
2: Oh, I'm going to need the the multiple, please. Okay,
0: so you're moving on to stage two. For two points, your multiple choice options are A minus 20... B-30 C-40 or D-50 for two points
2: I'm going to go for because I don't have a clue B-30 is that
0: your final answer?
2: yeah you're welcome yeah it is even though it's bad isn't it so
0: Adam (laughs) Carroll you were asked how many points are you deducted when you kill an innocent person intentious stealth assassins you said B minus 30 points and I can tell you for two points that Adam Carly, you are correct
1: oh nice oh my god what a great day that was a good guess that was very very good I would not have gotten
2: that <laughs> do you know what that's a real real kind of weird one because I would have thought in my head "No, do you know what? it's going to be bad news for killing this in person Like a bit lousy <laughs> surely minus 50 (laughs) Josh Wise are you ready for your second question
0: yes please fantastic Tenchu Stealth Assassins is considered by many as the first authentic ninja game all the way down to its setting however it wasn't initially set in the Sengoku period in feudal Japan during development tell me the game's original setting
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's
0: ridiculous.
1: i got to go multiple, because i got no clue on that one, I'm afraid. But it's multiple choice, please, Quizmaster.
0: Okay, for two points, your multiple choice options are... A, modern day slash <laughs> uh, 1998. B, Aztec. C, fantasy. Or D, sci-fi. For two points. Oh, God. Um...
1: Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go for can I do the one where I get two of the answers taken away please
0: you can of course so for one point Josh we'll take two of them away and the options you are left with are C fantasy or D sci-fi Wild
1: game kind of is fantasy, so I guess sci-fi. I'm going to go for sci-fi, please.
0: Is that your final answer? Uh, Yes. So for one point, Josh Wise, when asked what was Tenchu Stealth Assassin's original setting, you said sci-fi. And I can tell you that Josh Wise, that is... Correct.
1: Oh, yes. That's bonkers, though. A sci- sci-fi ninja. Th- I suppose Ninja Gaiden went all sci fi didn't it? Adam
0: Carl, are you ready for your second question?
2: I sure am. Excellent.
0: As mentioned earlier, the original Japanese release of Tenshu Stealth Assassins was called Ritai Ninja Katsugeki Tenshu. Oh, I nearly got there.
3: <laughs>
0: According to the information I could find on the internet, so fingers crossed it's correct, What does this roughly translate to In English Well I'm absolutely going to have to go multiple
2: (laughs) Like for the love of God
0: Okay For two points Your multiple choice options are A. Stealth and honour Tenshu B. Blade of the ninja Tenshu C. The blood of my enemies Tenshu Or D. Three dimensional ninja Action drama Tenshu for two points
2: I'm going to say B Blade of the Ninja Because it could, It's going to be A or B It's going to be A or B But I'm going to go B
0: Is that your final answer?
2: Yeah oh. If you tell me it's D <laughs> I think it might be D But I have no <laughs> Like idea. if it's D <laughs> Three dimension ninja action drama I'll actually lose my mind
0: So Adam, Carl You were asked what the Japanese name for the original release of Tenshu Stealth Assassins, Ritai Ninja Katsugeki Tenshu, what that translated to, roughly, in English. And you said B blade of the Ninja Tenshu. I can tell you, Adam Carroll, that B blade of the Ninja Tenshu is incorrect. <gasps> the correct answer was. D. 3-dimensional ninja action drama
2: tension. It wasn't. Oh god. It wasn't. Are you serious? Are you serious? I'm I'm serious. I wouldn't I wouldn't joke oh about this. God. I actually can't believe. I can't believe. I mean, that that has happened. I
1: suppose it is a 3-dimensional ninja action drama. We can't take that away from no, it. No, Josh.
2: No. <laughs> We are not accepting this. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely speechless. What a toilet name. <laughs> oh, oh, God.
0: Josh White, <laughs> are you ready for your third and final question? Yes, please. Excellent. For three points, the first level of Tenchu Stealth Assassins, Punish the Evil Merchant, tasks you with punishing an evil merchant, funnily enough. <laughs> what is the name of that evil merchant?
2: He gets the name an evil merchant, and I had to translate Japanese.
0: <laughs> it's, um. Wow! <Whoa.
1: laughs> it's, uh, uh. Not, um. Bessinius, the other one. Uh. Echigoya. Echigoya? Echigoya is what I will say.
0: For three points. Is that your final answer?
1: I think so. Yes. Yeah, Echigoya.
0: So, Josh, when asked for the name of the evil merchant in the level Punish the Evil Merchant, you said straight away, Echigoya. And I can tell you, Josh, that Echigoya is the correct answer. Oh my god!
1: I feel bad about that because I didn't have to translate Japanese
2: (laughs) I'm probably going to say I guess where the make of a samurai sword is in some period of time
3: oh dear
0: Adam Carroll yeah
2: how's it going you can't
0: win this round of trivia espionage action but you can you know get some points on the board oh thanks are you ready for your third and final question
2: Uh, sure why not
0: The seventh level of Tenchu Stealth Assassins Destroy the Foreign Pirate Tasks you with, again, destroying a foreign pirate Very literal in the names of their levels What is the name of that foreign pirate? For three points Oh, I wouldn't know that one, I don't think Oh, was he for...
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah Um, The pirate, like... Give me Give me I have to go multiple again Because if I see it I probably know
0: Okay Alright for two points Your multiple choice options Are as follows A. Captain Bulmer B. Captain Magner, C. Captain Amstel Or D. Captain Foster
2: (laughs) I actually hate you Captain Bulmer
0: For two points Is that your final answer? It is
2: It is my final answer
0: Both of you, very confident, no changing in fairness, uh, I respect that So Adam, <laughs> you were asked For the name of the foreign pirate In the mission, Destroy the Foreign Pirate You said A. Captain Bulmer For two points Adam Carroll Captain Bulmer is The correct answer Here we go Not very happy though <laughs> No?
2: Yeah, but I said it, I do it. If I see it, I get it right. It's annoying that I couldn't guess at the start. I'm trying to get the first one, That get multiple choice. Congratulations, Josh Wise. Oh, thank a
1: you. 7-4 <laughs> win. Yeah, I think I got a little lucky choosing the right. I think if I'd have got that pirate one, I would not have. For some reason, Echigoya, maybe it's because it's the first mission. I don't know. It's stuck in my brain.
2: I cannot, I just cannot believe that Japanese <laughs> title. I just cannot
1: believe that that exists. Three-dimensional ninja action drama, Tenshu.
2: yes. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Let's try and cool off and we'll come back after this little break to talk about our final thoughts, summarise our thoughts on Tenshu stealth assassins. So now it is time for the verdict. It's time for the three of us to give our stamp of approval or disapproval on Tenshu Stealth Assassins. But before that, I have a few quotes from reviews at the time. First one is Games Master. The reviewer was Robin Alway and he gave it 79%. Alway said, it's got some camera problems, but Tenchu's violent and stealthy approach makes for a tense, authentic experience. Joe Fielder from GameSpot gave it 8.3 out of 10 and said, Tenchu excels in every way that counts, provides a lot of fun and is well worth the price of admission. Somebody at Edge, I don't know, because it's, it doesn't, they don't have bylines. Edge gave it 7 out of 10. And Edge said, while there are numerous cinematic touches and the levels possess plenty of strong period detail, there's ultimately not quite enough here to sustain interest. Only a handful of enemy types are used, the end level bosses disappoint, and there's never quite enough to do beyond tap the hack button a few times and progress to the next victim. Game Informer gave it 9 out of 10. It was a three-person review. The names credited are Andy, Paul and Reiner. And a quote from the review is, The combat is simple, to say the least, but this game is not a fighting game. This game is a simulator. A ninja simulator. And finally, Doug Perry of IGN gave it 9 out of 10. And Perry said, It's absorbing, puzzling, and it's absolutely the quintessential PlayStation game. Hardcore, smart, bloody, and fun as hell. But, as I always say, lads, none of those opinions matter, really. The only opinion that matters is yours, Josh, yours, Adam, and mine, Colm. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> because we're going to decide what honour we are bestowing upon Tenshu Stealth Assassins. That honour is either a play, a pass, or an espionage explosion. So, a play, which, it, it it's, it's a recommendation. It's not the top recommendation, but we think people should play this game. It might have faults, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But we think, yeah, you you should give this a go for, for whatever reason. A pass, we don't think they should touch it. It should be left in the past for whatever reason you want to give. Or an espionage explosion. The top honours here at Stealth Boom Boom, you can give it for historical significance, or you think the game is fantastic, or it excels in one area, or every area. For whatever reason you want to call it an espionage explosion, you just think this thing is the absolute dogs bollocks the dogs in the levels of Tenchu Stealth Assassins? <laughs> Who would like to start us off? Maybe you, Josh, because I feel like you've been pretty forthright with your opinion. So I, if I was a betting man, I think I know what way you're going to go. <laughs>
1: well, I, yeah, I, I think it might be my first espionage explosion. You know. There we have us. Yeah. There we have us. I think I think it's the, is that what you thought that I was going to do? That's Colum? what
0: I thought, yeah. That's what yeah, I,
1: thought. I just, it's the stealth. It still just holds up for me. Excellent line of sight, sight good cover. You know, the boom, boom, however you want to slice the boom, boom, whether you want to think of it, it as just the sword play, which I thought was excellent. The platforming stuff, the grappling hook, the verticality of the levels, the music was fucking insane. Uh, unreal violence, even the little goblin voice acting, just, yeah, I'd say not only you, you ought to play it, a great, great for a little history lesson as well. If you loved Sekiro and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, it, it just does both the things it does. Yeah. It's got the boom boom. It's got the stealth. Yeah. Play it, get it, get it in you. It's
2: great.
0: Adam Carroll, what say you play pass or espionage explosion?
2: Uh, look, I think it's no surprise Tenchu is a very important game in, in, in the world of video games. And I think it's like, it just influenced so many, it, so many like game designers, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's There's a lot of fun to be had and playing this game for the first time really in 2023. Like, I enjoyed my time. I think it's, if a game can hold up like that and I can still like kind of like sit back and go that was a lot of fun it was it was like creative it it had me questioning a lot of things I was baffled at things I was frustrated (laughs) but these are all the elements that like a video game kind of needs to have I think and do you know like I I do think the stealth works I have to say the camera is definitely an issue it just is and like my my problems with the draw distance and all that like it's not the only game ever to have these issues i know that mm. but i do think for the most part a lot of the the stealth and the, the main thing of what it's going for still works pretty much and um i can see why a lot of people would hold this so highly and like if they were rating our thing and calling it like every game's like play pass or espionage explosion i think there'd be a lot of people who would pick espionage explosion like yourself, Josh. For me, it is definitely a play. I'm going play on it, and um, it's for anyone that's into stealth, mm. anyone that's into uh, like action, action games in general, and just anyone that like I have echoed it a lot. Like, but from software games, it is really, really like wild to play that ge- play Tenchu and go holy shit! Mm. This is definitely a from software influence. So um, yeah, play it for me.
1: But how are you gonna go, the host? Another another explosion? Merely a play?
0: <laughs> I find this a tough one. I was thinking about this today when I was collecting my car from the garage because I needed to get the windscreen wipers fixed. <laughs> true story. <laughs> it's a true story because it's not exciting at all. So you know it is true. Oh yeah. And I was wondering, where do I actually land on this game? Because there are things... I enjoy about it. Soundtrack, we spoke about that. Played all the music. The lads were loving it. Spoke loads about that. (sighs) There's a lot of issues here. There are a lot of issues here and things that were bettered in other games, I feel. I I think there is a historical significance to this game. It came out in the year of stealth for many people. Mm. 1998, when you have the likes of this, uh, Thief. Metal Gear Solid, of course. But there is definitely a part of me that sits back and thinks of Kill Switch from 2003, (laughs) if you remember
1: that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The sort of proto-Gears of War, in a way.
0: Indeed. It's credited as being uh, the first game with the pop cover mechanic, Mm. which, of course, Gears perfected. And I think many games did take things from Tenchu... Mm. but made them better. So then you have to ask the question, is it worth playing in 2023? Mm. Does somebody who doesn't do a fortnightly podcast about stealth video games, (laughs) what will they get from Tenchu? Will they get a fantastic soundtrack? Sure. Will they learn how to play the game by level five? Maybe. Mm. (laughs) Maybe. yeah yeah good point for all those reasons for the the draw distance the the tank controls the things i had to fight against to to find enjoyment that's it may shock you but i'm going pass
2: oh whoa oh fuck look at that oh
1: i thought it was just gonna be a play interesting column that's big time
0: yeah like i appreciate everything that's been said already and uh, it, for me it's teetering it's teetering between pass and play but sadly we, we don't we don't have a place. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: option. Yeah. It's it's fairly cutthroat We should it's, have a PLAS option Class <laughs> is
2: good stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That's where I'm I, I, In my head I'm also like You're teetering
0: as well But you're just going over play Whereas I'm teetering And I'm just going into pass Yeah
2: like I I would never really Kind of want to play this game again But I'm damn glad I did But that is Tenchu
0: Stealth Assassin's done It's in the rear view mirror Forget about it lads Nobody's talking about Tenchu Stealth Assassins anymore because everyone is turning their attention to what we're going to be discussing on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we'll be talking about a game that comes in three parts. Interesting. Alec Meir of Eurogamer said this about the first part. He said, if you're interested in a serious relationship with gaming rather than purely out for a good time, please do take a look at this. Anthony Gallegos of 1UP said this about the second part. Quote, it combines puzzles and horror to create a game that is probably unlike anything you've played, end quote. And Charles Ognette of IGN said this about the final and third part. Quote, While its puzzle and gameplay structure remains entertaining and satisfying, the expansion removes a few major elements of what made the first two episodes so appealing, end quote. As we are celebrating the 15th anniversary of this series' second episode on the next edition of Stealth Boom Boom by talking about all three episodes. Episodes, games whatever call them what you like because on the next episode (laughs) of Stealth Boom Boom we're going to be discussing reviewing dissecting Penumbra Overture Penumbra Black Plague and Penumbra Requiem
4: For my part in this allegory I'm not going to make the same mistakes my father made Howard vanished from my mother's life before I was even in it so when he sent me a letter a few days after mum's funeral it was the first I'd ever heard from him pity he was dead His letter contained a key, instructions, pleas for forgiveness. I figured the dead don't have much use for absolution, so I turned to his prophetic passing which he inexplicably expected to come any day. Clearly averse to explanations, my father preferred to leave directions to a bank on Mayfair I'd never even heard of. In that bank was a safety deposit box in his name, and myself as executor. Of course, I went as he knew I would. I discovered that despite the evidence, he'd been legally declared dead almost 30 years ago and said the old book and collection of notes I found had, in the eyes of the law, been mine all this time. My father's instructors were to burn the documents, raise no further questions, but that was his error. No man's immune to the shameful trappings of curiosity and my humanity got the better of me. The notes showed a location somewhere in uninhabited northern Greenland. It took me almost a year to book the last flight I'd ever take. As I watched civilization disappear along with Heathrow, I realised my father had disappeared three decades ago, almost to the day. And I considered in turn what it was that I was leaving behind.
0: Does anyone have any history with Penumbra, Overture, Black Plague or Requiem?
1: I do not. I'm aware of it because I, I like Frictional, uh, but I've never... It's, it's PC only, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Have you ever, ever played any of the games, Adam?
2: I have never heard of this series.
0: Ooh, oh. okay.
2: I am going in here knowing nothing. Like, absolutely. I'm not even looking at a screenshot. This is like so blind now to me that I am just going to go in and that's that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about all of them. So if you want to play along at home, grab them, get them played, and then you can vehemently disagree with our play pass espionage explosion verdicts it ought to be fun the precursor to the amnesia series so mm. we'll see we'll see uh, so yeah that just about does it for this edition of Stealth Boom Boom thank you very much dear listener for listening if you want more if you want to ensure that you never miss an episode of the podcast make sure you subscribe via your podcast catching app of choice Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Get it subscribed, and then you'll hear us talking about Penumbra on the next episode. You can also follow Stealth Boom Boom on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are at Stealth Boom Boom. You can also follow all of us as well. I am at Cullum underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes, and Josh is at Joshy Wise. But now it is time for my least favourite part of the show. I could talk to you for hours more. But now it is time to bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll.
2: Goodbye, everyone, and thank you once again for listening.
0: Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye, see you later. And say goodbye, Colin McHearn, Sloan Gafole.